I love when Calm's like offended. <laughs> <laughs> that, oh, that's the joke that started on. That's the joke that started on. I love when Calm's offended. <laughs> I, and with that, welcome to the uh, Warm Sophia podcast. <laughs> The uh, Worktopia podcast the work-topia. back in 2021, better the, than ever. The Worktopia podcast. We 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 are your hosts. I am your guest. It's a, this is a thing now. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pretend like I said that on purpose the first time. So um, like I'm, I'm, I'm 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 a manual. Um, Luca, say hi. I'm the joke. And uh, internet marketing guru, Callum, say hi. Hi, how's it going? And my dad is, I'm not sure if you've heard of him, his name is Gary V. He's a great marketing guru. Is this relevant? He just, I mean, he just called me a marketing guru. Then, so does, I any, so. does any of us care? What, is this, the appeal, what is this bit? What is this bit? <laughs> I thought the appeal of the podcast was that it was like, it was our take on like movies, you know? It's like, what do we think of them? So it's what like about us, you know? Gary. I just thought it was interesting to, at the time. Yeah, that's definitely like not the intro I'm going to use. <laughs> our last ca- um, uh, host is uh, Buckwild. Yeah, it's our special guest today is Buckwild. <laughs> our special guest today is Buckwild, bro. So hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Wormtopia podcast. This is 2021 now, the new season, back better than ever, and we're invigorated. You know, we have the spirit again. Um, what what um uh, what movies? What kind of movies are we doing today? We're doing thriller movies. And what's your and what's your movie, Luca? My thriller movie is 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 Cure. Just to be clear, which Cure is that? Nineteen ninety-seven. Nineteen yes, nineteen ninety-seven by I believe Kiyoshi Kurosawa. That's actually how you say. And um, I would know I met him. And um, (laughs) that's just a lie. There's no joke. I just lied. Um, (laughs) And um, Emmanuel, which is your which is your movie? Introduce yourself to the listeners. I'm I'm Emmanuel. My movie was Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> Are you sure? I don't think, I don't think that was the movie I watched. That was the movie I watched. You watched the wrong movie, Callum. Oh, so both you both you the Buckwild watched that one too. <laughs> yeah, <I> <laughs> Buckwild was actually in Wonder Woman 1984. Long- I know, but did he watch it for the podcast? Was that the one he watched? Someone asked him. You can't hear him because he's he's hooked up. He's hooked up to a machine. I almost feel like we should so do burning. First. The way he talks is just is just past Lucas' shoulder, and that's how we talk. What's that book, Wild? <laughs> we're doing. We're talking about Cure first. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, also, I'm just so Emmanuel. Are you, my so- movie <laughs> for the week is Burning 2018 by Lee Chang Dong. <laughs> Um, one of the best Korean directors. One of the I best. Mo- one of the best movies. I'm still to yet uh, watch a lot of his work. I know he was a novelist before, but uh, we'll get into all that. And Buck, what was your what was your pick? He, he said pick? he said his pick is um, um the the Ben Affleck movie. Um, the way way back. The <laughs> man, <laughs> no, he, he told Gone Gone Girl by David Fincher. Okay, and uh, my name is Callum, and my movie this week was No Country for Old Men by the Coen <laughs> Brothers. You all right, Luca? Oh, it smells bad. Okay. okay. Drink some water. Drink some water. Okay. Drink some water, champ. Let's just jump into it. Let's just get into Let's it. Let's just jump tell, into tell, it. Tell the people Let's... the order. Tell the people the order. 
of the movies. The order we're going to be doing these movies in, if you want to watch them beforehand or if you want to do some sort of ceremony or ritual That's just fitting. to prepare, the order of the movies we're doing is Cure, No Country for Old Men, Burning, and then Gone Girl. That's Buck Wild's pick. <laughs> And and if you stay until the end, we'll tell you why he's named Buck Wild because that's that's not his that wasn't the name he was born with. That's the name, that's what we call him. So at the end, we'll tell you that's no. What he we, gave why himself that him name. That. He gave himself that name. Well, have now you, that now that now the viewer has nothing to, now the viewer has nothing to look forward to. Have Luca. you not seen Ice Age Continental Drift? No, Wait, you're, is you're, that who you're talking about? It's, it's Dawn of the Dinosaurs, Luca. Get it. Dawn of the di- my bad. Dawn of is that who you're referencing? Uh, my, my bad. Dawn of Justice. <laughs> oh my that's God. what you've been referencing okay it's all been it's all been a front we're actually going to be tackling the discussion around Zack snyder's <laughs> justice league director's cut the hashtag snyderverse the um let's just jump into it <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> i'm just gonna i'm gonna go comes like holding up everything like everything <laughs> distracting me i'm gonna cry okay cure 1997 kiki kurosawa um i first watched this movie uh january 2020 i was at like a dv store and it was under like the rare dvd pile and i and i thought it looked really interesting uh so i bought it and then i'm gonna say this uh, right after that and they hinted about saying something like this to emmanuel um believe it or not this is the scariest movie I've ever seen. Really? Yeah. Really? I'm yeah. interested. It, it it hasn't changed since I since I saw it. it it's always like on upon I've rewatched it um four times, I'd say. Uh like in the full and it's it's still each time gets me. Mhm. Um, so, do we want to give a synopsis first, or just our general thoughts first? General thoughts, synopsis, and then we'll we'll get yeah. into uh, your take and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I guess Luca recommended this to me a while ago, and I put it on the back burner, and uh, that was a mistake. <laughs> and um, I really like this movie. I think it's very well directed. Yeah. It reminds me, and I I think it predates Seven, or it might be. Yeah, definitely. It definitely. Yeah, no, yeah. no, it's after seven. It's after seven, but it reminds me a lot of seven. Mm-hmm. I think just within the mystery element of it, and like the even though there's a psychiatrist and not a um other detective, like the kind of like buddy cop kind of thing going on. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing, the most interesting thing about this movie is the um villain of the movie or the 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 the, the murderer. Yeah. And how much we see him. Yeah. And I think that's super interesting. And I, I, right off the bat, I thought that was like a really cool concept. But yeah, that's my initial thoughts. I really liked it. Yeah, I thought this was a really interesting movie because I think with all these movies, the key to a thriller is that like it's a bit of a mystery in all these movies too, less so in like No Country for Old Men, but all of them have like an element of mystery mm-hmm. where it's like the story isn't like all being revealed alongside the events that are happening. Anticipation, It's yeah. all like, th- you're, lear- you're learning things out of order and like tension builds up. Mm-hmm. And I think the way this movie like, gives out information and like misdirects you is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not sure if it's the scariest movie I've ever seen, but there were definitely moments where I was like, 
shocked. Taken aback for I think sure. each of these movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in all four of these movies, there were moments where I was like, so like, oh my. Mm-hmm. What the? What's mm-hmm. going on here? Yeah. And I think that's a. What's going I think that's a theme guys? through all of them that like we can kind of link, I guess. You know, is like this idea of like when you when do you show emotion? Like, not emotion. When do you show um information to the viewer? And yes. how does that create like anticipation? You know what I mean? Yes. I think each movie so well does that in a different way, and I think like the that's the thing. Like um next to pace, that's the thing that's really linking all four of these movies. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like how pace and like information is used, I think that's super interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and I will say this isn't a negative, but I this is the only movie. Other movies direct misdirect you, but this is the only movie to like blatantly like lie yeah. to you. Like it tells you what's happening pretty soon after. Mm-hmm. But there, like there were moments where like, wait, that's happening, and then it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like mm-hmm. it, it ties into the plot, so it's not like it's not like a a gotcha. Mm-hmm. But it's still it's the it's the only one where it does that and it yeah. it's really creatively done. Well, I think Burning does that as well. But yeah. we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. Um so I th- one of the things I wanted to bring up was like um the the way this movie was like shot. It isn't oh shot in like a very like theatrical way, if that makes sense. I think no. that's the thing that made me feel Seven is kind of theatrical, but it made me feel very similar to that because of like the kind of like gritty down-to-earth nature of the movie like the of like the tone it has but i would say like i want to get my negatives out the way right out the gate so we don't like have to talk yeah. about them my only negative with this and it's not a negative at all with the movie it's just like um with probably is just with me is i think this is the only movie because of like the lack of close-ups which i think is really smart and I think like a lot of people talk about how like the close-up has kind of been like destroyed in modern cinema, if that makes sense, like the power mm-hmm. of it. And this movie definitely utilizes the power of a close-up. But because of the lack of close-ups, I don't think I was able to really connect with the main character um, throughout the movie because he only has a, a lot of like emotional close-ups towards the end. And it was definitely also language barrier as well. And I can mm-hmm. definitely tell this movie is one of those ones that really suffers for me because of the translation. Really? Because I know that when they say different, say a lot of things in this kind of move, in these kind of movies that are like kind of about like almost surrealist kind of like um, elements that are like outside of reality almost, or not necessarily reality, but like the vein of what the detectives things are happening, the way they describe them in the language in Japanese is definitely like very specific to like the culture and stuff like that. And I think mm-hmm. I was missing a lot of that. That's my only complaint though. Mm-hmm. That's my only complaint. And that's just with me. When you say, when you say theatrical, when you say theatrical, do you literally mean like grand, like theatrical isn't like a theater sense or like grand, like it didn't feel very like, like super like intense and like big sweeping shots. Yeah. Like you don't get like a single shot like you do in Gone Girl in this movie. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, don't get, you know, the shot yeah, when like okay, Amy yeah. falls into Ben Affleck's arms, like you never get anything like that. Mm-hmm. Because to me, this movie, it, in the earlier parts, less so in the later parts, it reminds me a lot of an Ozu movie. Mm. Like a lot of the shots that were like these are quiet moments, like that one on the roof where they're talking about like the motives of the murder and like whether or not it could be something else or whatever mm-hmm. happens to be, you no know, spoilers. Mm-hmm. And it, like it pans along. It, it's not exactly Ozu, but it did it did have like a uh, a hint of it to me at least. It reminded me of that yeah. that kind of like quiet like. The scene on the beach, that mm-hmm. scene definitely reminded me yeah, of like, this yeah. long scene where it's yeah. just like, it felt like, 
in a lot of these movies, there are moments like that where it's like this sort of like theatrical like conversation where characters are like one of them is like trying to say something and like can't get it across or like is using like language the other one doesn't understand. Mm-hmm. That's less of a, a thriller thing, more just that connects these movies where it's like they're being weird and like in that mm-hmm. way. Definitely. I de- it definitely did remind me of Ozia in certain ways. I feel like this is. I feel like we've said enough. I think we can do spoilers now. If Luca wants to give like a quick synopsis, like a you know a little light breezy one. <laughs> yeah, but it's like the same thing. This one and all these, like it's like just going knowing nothing. Definitely is the best way. Yeah, to go definitely. Out. Especially all for burning was so amazing knowing nothing. Exactly. Um. So basically, this is a quick synopsis is that there are murders uh, happening seemingly at random in Tokyo by people who appear. Uh, who appeared before and as if they're completely normal and then afterwards they seemingly uh, have no memory of, of doing it and we follow this detective and psychologist who are following the case and trying to figure out um, the connection between each murder and who the possible culprit is while simultaneously we follow the actual culprit of these murderers and his potential reasonings and the way he's able to pull this off mm-hmm. And yeah, so if, if I'm gonna use uh, if I'm gonna use fun words, this movie this movie is like a uh, a dirty uh, paper lunch bag filled with rotten food that is that is constantly uh, filling up, and then by the and it's just filling and filling and filling and like it's it smells even more strong and strong and strong and disgusting but it never it like explodes and never opens it's a movie that is constantly building and building and building and building tension and it mm-hmm. never and it never like opens it and never let it never lets it go there's no release of it which is a big part of why it's so effective to me in the horror and uh, the scariness of it. Cause there's never a moment to let you calm down or to let you. And because mm-hmm. of what you're talking about, calm, where it directly lies to you, you can never trust each scene at a certain point. You're never trusting what you see. It's like, is this, is this real? Is it just another hallucination? Because sometimes mm-hmm. some of the fake scenes can go on for like a good amount of time. So mm-hmm. the, really- the, the Sakuma one got me. Exactly. Yeah. I, I genuinely thought that was actually happening. Exactly. Which one's uh, that? When he, it's like, and I noticed something as well. It's the one when it's after pretty much everything has happened. I think it's right before the last scene, before he's killed, before Sakuma's killed the psychiatrist. He's a psychiatrist, right? Or a therapist, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. The psychiatrist is killed. And then they're doing this thing where like the director is essentially like lying to you, telling the audience that this thing is actually happening where like um, Takabe, I think is how you pronounce his name, is like backing him into a corner, and they're in the prison. They're in uh, the Mam- yeah, they're in they're in the in the cell of um, uh, the murderer, yeah. and he's backing him into a corner. And he's like petrified, and then it cuts, and then like you realize, oh, we're not in that scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like I thought that was mm-hmm. so. I the first one, the first one, the first one is the one with his wife hanging, right? Yes. Yeah. What did you? How did you guys feel about that one? That's such. I like. I. I. I audibly like gasped Same. and I, like leaned yeah, forward. A, and I was like, a, what? So that's because it's such a terrifying image. Yeah. And then, and then when it cuts back into reality, it almost like jolt, it almost jolted me back. Like yeah. With, could like with confusion. It was not as startling as it was to the character 
in literally in moment, hearing his voice. And, and he is so good in that scene. He is in all in like the whole movie, but especially mm-hmm. that scene. You like mm-hmm. you believe all of it. And I'll like And going going back just a little bit, I just wanted to talk more about the scene where like he's backing him up mm-hmm. into the corner. The thing about that scene is it's almost like justified because there's mm-hmm. a scene like earlier where he's talking to I forget the guys. The, the, I don't know the, the murder in like the Mamiya. cell, Mamia, Mamia in the cell, and like the water starts dripping, and like oh he's yeah. hypnotized. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was like some like long con where he like planted the seed in his brain to like turn rogue just mm-hmm. randomly and kill the psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. But no, that I think that's an, that's another thing that ties. I think ties all these movies together is about how. All these movies are kind of subversions of how thriller movies and like mystery movies, detective movies are supposed to happen. I think mm-hmm. all four of them are because they're mm-hmm. all subversions of like the what happens, how it happens, and like what information you're given. You know what I mean? Exactly. This movie, in a way, like directly lies exactly. to you. And I think that's, I think that is like one of the strongest parts about this movie because you have like the scenes um, when after, I think. Everything after the after um, uh, Sakuma's uh, hallucination, I like didn't trust the movie anymore, and I yeah. thought that was so cool. Exactly, and like you're saying, how it's going against all these common uh, things, and how these detective stories goes. This is not a happy ending. This is not mm-hmm. an ending in, in in any close at all, because you know Seven's notoriously not also not a happy ending. But you have the partial uh, victory of just Kevin Spacey dying. Yeah. But this one, you, you don't have get anything nothing. in this. You get nothing in this. Oh. Yeah, I was so shocked yeah. <laughs> at the ending. No, yeah. Oh my god! You just because like you get the thing about um. I don't. I I feel bad that I'm forgetting the actor's name because I did search his name up. But the thing about that scene when he gets up and just shoots him is yeah. like you can't really see his face because he's almost silhouetted, right? Yeah. And you can tell everything he's thinking from just his body movement, which was so exactly. crazy to me. The way he exactly. just like gets up and he's just done with it. You know what I mean? Well, the thing for me is that that was like a, like a weirdly like satisfying scene because it's like it's that moment where it's like it's it's that cliche where like the villain like now you understand my yeah. scheme, and then the guy just pulls up yeah, the gun yeah. and shoots him. It's a subversion in that way. But then after that, when he seems like continue to like, keep <laughs> shooting him. And then the next scene, which was like yeah. actually the last scene, that's the one that's like, oh my god, this is like way deeper exactly. than you think it goes. Exactly. Like, where, like it, motives- where it leads mm-hmm. in, where the woman picks up the knife. Yeah, like, I know, what? I know. Yeah. I was, I was like, oh my god. Then the movie ended. It's like, like, it's, oh, like it's like, that's all you can say to movies like this. That's all you can say. I to think the, the, the part of it that's, a that that's really them- cool, Luca mentioned this, or no, no, you mentioned that, Calm, is like the idea in Seven. Even though Kevin Spacey dies, he gets his monologue. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. In this movie, he's just cut off, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I thought that was super interesting. And, and like we're like, I'm gonna be going back and forth throughout the movie, like beginning, middle, and end. Um I just wanna this is like uh, yeah, this is like I'm gonna I still gonna go into more depth of why this is the scariest movie to me, but huge part of that of course is the is the villain of the movie. He <laughs> is everything that like Michael Myers wants to be. He is this, <laughs> he is this unstoppable, this pure force of evil mm-hmm. that is, is always like the second he's on he's on screen, you know, like only 
uh, nothing good is going to come from it. And then as it goes on, each time he's on screen, it's just, it just fills you with dread. Yeah. And, you, and you know there's just no... And it's because of the information they give exactly. you in those scenes. They keep adding on to what his character is and like the mythos of him. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like e- each time you see him like kill someone, you get like it's like the next you get like the next step within mm-hmm. the process. Yes. So you learn more about it each yeah. time it happens. So it's like you can it, it it's it's I think with a lot of these movies, the way they give out information is interesting because like you see you can like piece things together the way the characters do. You're like, oh, th- he does yeah. this each time. And that leads into this. So then you slowly start to realize he's not like an, an actual like mm-hmm. amnesiac. He's just like an insane. He's actually like, he's just a, insane. I don't yeah, know what he that's is. That's what I, I wanted to get into. I guess he's just insane. Like the thing about information we were talking about and how they give it to you. That scene when um they first kind of like really commit the detectives and the psychiatrist commit yeah. to the idea of like a mesmer and the um hallucinations and whatnot and the yeah. hypnotization that scene is like in the start of act three yeah you know what i mean so everything you know about the dude is given to you before that scene yeah i thought i thought i thought the mm-hmm. the the coolest thing about that is all the scenes he's in it's like me and luca have actually been talking about this in relation to luca's movie a lot is like it's like the idea of how much do you show your monster? You know what I mean? Seven, yeah. you don't see Kevin Spacey until like, I think it's like directly in the middle of the second act, right? Yeah. How much do you show your monster? And in this movie, literally like the second scene is you Here's get, him. you see him and then you just see him through the entire thing. And the yeah. like his ability to carry mm-hmm. that the whole time is like insane. It's, it's... But I think the difference in that is it's not it's not like a Jason where he just like walks up and starts no. like slashing people. It's that it's like you learn more about him each time. It's not as if like each time you see him, he's just mm-hmm. doing the same thing. Like we've been given all the information from the start, like, oh, he's mm-hmm. the bad guy. It's you slowly piece it together and then realize like the twisted ways in which he does it is mm-hmm. like the, the I it's guess like, directly part. onto what Callum said. In other detective movies, when you figure out how the killer does it and he goes about it, it loses like some of the mystery and therefore it gets less like scary. In this mm-hmm. movie, by going by by doing that, it makes it more scary and more mm-hmm. intense, knowing how he does it. Cause then you're constantly like f- like terrified of when that light is gonna appear or when water's gonna appear. Mm-hmm. And then when it does, you're just like constantly it's like you want to scream at the like person in the movie to like get out of there or like to like not mm-hmm. look away mm-hmm. and there's mm-hmm. like that one i don't know like it's it's not a crazy shot in particular but the one shot where he's confronting him in the room and there's no lights uh there's so many good shots my favorite. Oh my God. okay sorry luca you say your favorite shot and then yeah. i'll say my favorite shot <laughs> well this is my second favorite it's not my my first favorite but i'll get to yeah. that when i talk about the scariest stuff um but it's like he's in the room uh it's like in the room on the bottom floor and there's like he's just you just see his like the silhouette of his body and then you see the light glimmer of him lighting a cigarette that instilled mm. so much that instilled that so one. much genuine like fear into mm. me and then okay I'll, I'll let you do your thing but i just want to say i when i first watched this where i was getting into the ending and it's the shot where he turns he looks into the room and he sees he sees the image of the blurred person behind like the sheet 
I turned off the movie. I turned off the movie. And I, <laughs> I, I, I didn't finish it for the rest of the night. I physically could not finish it after <laughs> This movie, Hereditary, before Hereditary <laughs> was Hereditary. I literally could not, and it's just like, and I mean this in the in the best way possible when I say this, when I make this comparison. Um, this is like how terrifying I saw creepy pastas when I was like eleven, <laughs> and it's and it's sort of like I, I make that comparison because it's the same things where it's like usually those stories, it's like things that don't appear to be supernatural at first, and then they're supernatural and there's no like good ending and it's stuff like the images like people blurred faces and stuff like that it's exactly mm-hmm. that in my head i related to that horror but this is like genuine like fear and that thought is specifically of seeing him behind there then he reveals it and it's even though it reveals it in just the image at first it's like a semi really because like oh it's just an image but then you but then you're like oh wait you rewind and you look again and then you realize that the image that he sees when he reveals it is just a headshot. But when he's when he saw it at first, it was the whole, it was a full body person. So like, and that it's like, it, mm-hmm. it is a it's it's fucking it's real. That's a real it's person. Fucking okay, that's terrifying. A real person. And then like, and you're and you're talking about how, like, oh, like the the color is like insane or whatever. And like, I really, I really think it's just entirely just like the the supernatural elements that make him that way it's it's just like this presence that you don't really feel at the beginning because you have no idea it's there mm-hmm. but once you're once it's confirmed to be there and re-watching the movie and just think it back to it you feel it everywhere you feel this mm-hmm. looming just evil that mm-hmm. like in hereditary that it feels as if it's like everyone is just puppeted by this evil and that no matter what it will always lead to just this mm-hmm. this depressing and just mm-hmm. it's like that uh the concept of exactly like Cthulhu, where it's it's that like that eternal thing that just like that void of like death that's just like looming beyond your like perception of the world like there's just that thing that's like making yeah. people do this shit and there's nothing exactly. you can do about it i think for me this movie was i i, I find other movies a lot scarier than this one I found this movie scary in parts, but I found it, like, shocking, too. I think the thing that was more striking to me was, like, the shocking aspects. Also, like, it's the sadness, so, too. This is such a so deeply beautiful. sad movie. Like, that scene where he, he drops his wife off. Oh, at yeah. The, uh, and then you... I kind of pieced it, at I the pieced it together before, but still. Yeah. It's still, like... For me, was Sakauma's death. I don't know. That was That was, like... But also, I was, oh, sorry, the, the thing I was going to talk about was my favorite shot in the movie, which was also like yeah. the scariest shot to me, was just the close-up of the water on the ground. Oh my goodness, such a good shot. And I know exactly like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> it, makes you terif- it makes you terrified of that shit. Yeah, um, I think she, she was the person I was scared for, for the most. Yeah. For me, for me next to Sakuma. Mm-hmm. But yeah. For me, the shot, the shot that I like most, it's probably like a three-way tie. It's the um, the over the shoulders during the interrogation, like that crazy over the shoulder where it's like little like ha- a third of the shot is mm-hmm. like just their head. That, the beach, like that huge beach shot where it's just like, yeah, I'm like, do you know where yeah. I am? Like, where is this? I love that one. And then the third one is the monkey. I want to do it like ten minutes <laughs> to talk with that monkey. <laughs> 
the the thing in the in the interrogation like, scene what shit. it reminded me was um i i um i don't, I don't know why i feel bad for bringing up the dark knight rises in comparison to this movie <laughs> but um but um there's this there's you a should. scene where bane like puts his <laughs> arm on i think it's i think it's ben mendelson's character he puts his yeah. hand on his shoulder with an open palm right and no, he's like, when you know he's like <laughs> and he's like do you do you feel in control now it was the exact same thing when um like the murderer touched um takabe's head you know how he like touches his head in that way yes yes, in yes, that yes. Scene? it was the exact same thing and his look at him and he's like terrified in this weird way but then he like backs off it i got that same vibe from it i don't know why it reminded me of tom hardy <laughs> and Dark Knight rises did you did you guys notice how many fucking long takes there are in this movie like no holy... i did it but i went back and i did that's holy the best shit. kind of long take that's the best kind yeah. of long take you go back and even just like 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 just like fast forward through the movie oh my god you don't you really don't because of how into it you are the first time around yeah. you really don't notice it and i only noticed it today skimming a fruit to go to specific scenes to refresh my memory my my memory my memory oh my god it's so like yeah it's insane Wait, do you think oh, he's a crypt so he wouldn't see so he put a bee? But here, in, in relation to what you're talking about, you're talking about beer what from... you're talking about, Luca, mm-hmm. I think um, the movie, I found the most similarities in this too. Um, here, wait, come on, I was trying to tell me something. I'll cut this out. <laughs> Sorry, come on. It's so, it's so obvious. It's so obvious. Which can you is. just talk? Can we just talk about this later, bro? <laughs> Okay, sorry. The movie that I think this is the most similar to is No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Because yes. it, and it reminded Luca kind of triggered my like memory of this is like Roger Deakins, and we'll get into fucking Roger Deakins <laughs> later. Yeah. It, it, he talks about how like a lot of people think good cinematography is like flashy cinematography. You know what I mean? Like the big like lens flares, like sweeping shots kind of thing. Mm. I th- he talks about it a lot, and it's like the best cinematography is like the is the camera you don't notice, where you're just fully in the movie and you're not thinking about the shots or yeah. what it what what it, you're not thinking about like the frame of the movie. Like in your head, you're almost just in the movie. It's all around you in that in this in the way like only cinema can do kind of thing. Yeah. I think this movie does that excellently. Like it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. I, I completely agree. And um, just like. I was I I thought about this like when I finished it uh, the first time around. It's like it's so brilliant how little music there is in this movie, and how mm. much of it is just the the sound from like the diegetic sound. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about no music? <laughs> That'll transition beautifully into our next there? movie. <laughs> yeah, no, Luca, Luca, Luca asked to talk no, about no, um, no, his no, 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 no. Luca talk. I'm, that would be a that would be a nice that would be a nice segue, but whatever. Sorry, no, go ahead, Luca. Just like because then, and then even I didn't even notice the music on my first watch. Mm-hmm. I didn't even notice it, and I only noticed it the, this time around. And even then, it's not other than in, in the beginning of the movie, because um, that's when it's noticeable. But aside mm-hmm. from the beginning, it's really you're so used to the ambience that when it does appear, it's it's really the music's really like low key and not 
like uh loud and obnoxious so you know, it really blends in with the tension mm-hmm. uh, almost as if you're listening to like a sort of a form of like heartbeat that's just like beating faster and faster mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. still it's those silences but like i said that scares fucking scene in the movie with the person behind the thing no like it's like no non-diegetic sound at all and because it's only diegetic there's it's zero audio it's like it's basically like silent that scene so and that, cool. and that makes it it's like you have no sound so you have no audio to distract yourself with to escape to you just have to face what you're fucking looking at and okay, it's just- okay okay i have to bring something up that i just saw because i have the movie open here yeah it's about like one of the long takes yeah the scene when they confront uh, the policeman who shot his, like the fellow police officer. Yeah. That scene is one take. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That scene is one take. It's fucking insane, dude. It's so fucking crazy. It's so crazy. And it's like, oh I think. My gosh. Like, I so think... they, they go, they go from like being on the interrogation and you kind of, it's almost an overshoulder of the angle, but it's a little bit wider. Yeah, and then they go to like the part when he's on the floor and he's pointing the light in his eye, and then you have the whole bit where he draws the X on the guy's body. Yeah, all in one take. <laughs> all in one take. Oh my god! It's... Absolute demons, bro! Absolute demons. What is up with just the best movies like no one knows about? Man, like all, this is big in Japan. Obviously. There's like one interview on YouTube with the director for this movie that I could find. Yeah. It's big in Japan, but like in North America, like you ask, like, "Hey, have you seen Cure?" Like mo- most people, oh my god, just oh, what a fucking Kurosawa, no relation, no relation. <laughs> it's the same person, <laughs> oh different god. aliases. Okay, Luca, um, did you talk about like all about how this is a scary movie, or do you want to get into other stuff about that? I kind of, I kind of did covered it, yeah. Yeah, I, f- yeah. I feel like you said it. I mean, I feel like, I feel like what we said speaks for itself. Does forever now hold your peace, boys? I hold my peace. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's do our ratings. First um, warm, first warm pod. Um, as with tradition, one thousand out of sixty-seven point five. As tradition, I don't do number rankings, so I I will say this is a really good violent movie. It's not good because it's violent, but it's a very good comma <laughs> violent movie. <laughs> I watch it's it. It's very, very good. Has has it been a tradition, Callum? I haven't noticed. And on to No Callum, Country for Old Men, directed by the Coen brothers. This is our this runner? is our a very good friend Fiona, friend of the pod. Oh, Callum, if you want to like have like a rivalry, but like they've decided to settle it for like just this episode. After like after Some... a turbulent arrival, she made it here. Settled it is like a loose. You better be boxing in an alleyway though soon. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, yes, so I picked Gone Girl. Um, I like this film, I do. I don't really, it's not Fincher's best, but um, I like it. What did you guys think of it? I don't know. I think this is like this is, I would put him third, I put this one third or second best Fincher. Third, yeah, it's close. I don't know if I, I don't know if I places first yeah definitely not third first but i think we can get into like our fincher rankings like in the end <laughs> towards the end yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i i put this like i put this pretty high up maybe even second maybe is, even second i think this is his best really yeah i didn't i don't rewatch I, mean, I think that also just because i i just i get so pissed off 
people want to put like Fight Club or Social Network oh, anywhere. <laughs> like it just makes me so angry. Exa- yeah, I, so, I get that. But what about what about you, Callum? I really like this movie. There, I think it has a few like this might be like me misinterpreting something, but I have a few issues with it. But other than that, I think it's like a very well done movie. I think it's very good. And Tyler Perry is the best performance in this movie. <laughs> who is? Yeah. Who is breathing really heavily? I think it's me. I think it's me. I'm sorry. What <laughs> dramatic? It, no, it's, it's 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 just it's it's the waves. It's the waves. Ah, I see. It's just the wave—the waves of the ocean. Just relax. Someone say Call waves. I mean, I mean, I think the easiest thing—I think the easiest jumping-off point is just like, how does everybody? Tyler feel Perry. About... Oh, okay. How is Tyler Perry Tyler, so good in this movie? Tyler Perry acts. How is he so good? The CGI gummy bears. The CGI gummy bears. They're CGI. That's so what? crazy. Yeah, the gummy bears that he froze at uh at Batfleck are CGI. <laughs> there, is Andrew <laughs> hates Ben Affleck so much that it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's so good. He loves this movie, but he hates Ben Affleck. So <laughs> ben Affleck is like the perfect person for this role. Because per- he, he's just playing himself. Yeah, essentially. essentially. He's like acting involved. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no diss, Ben. No diss, Ben. I know he's a fan of the show. I was going to say, though, I feel like the biggest jumping off point to, like, just start everything would just be, like, mm-hmm. how does everybody feel about Amy? Like, okay. I, I want someone else to go first. Fiona? I can go first. Oh, Fiona, Fiona, Fiona's yeah. leading the discussion. Go go. First. All right, um, I guess I'll go then. Um, I think throughout the whole movie, like, I... Obviously, I'm not a married woman, so I can't relate in that sense, but, like, I understand where she's coming from for, like, 90% of it. Until like the last ten percent of the movie, then I think she turns into like the Joker, and I don't know why. I think she's great female manipulator representation. Mm-hmm. The, the idea of the world, like I don't know, and having that flip, like that switch flip. Mm-hmm. The I I just think like it's less about whether or not we like her, and more just like a point. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I never liked her as a character. Okay, wow, Amy's like. I just think, like, she's inherently, like, an unreliable person who, like, has a lot of lies and there's a lot of things that are, like, warped mm-hmm. and like, abnormal, but she's also really perceptive. Yeah. And then, like, there's this switch, right? And then... Mm-hmm. And also, okay, my favorite part, like, I mean, I think it's a pretty popular favorite part, but I just, like, I like the first shot and the last shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, Definitely. like, appreciate it. And it just ties the whole thing in, like, it's just, like, a full circle. It, like, comes mm-hmm. back and yeah but like i think my whole thing with amy is very similar to luca where it's like she it throughout the movie she is using a bunch of like female stereotypes like you know like the america loves a pregnant woman the cool gore thing and she's using them all against the male characters Mm -hmm. but like i feel like to distinguish her as like this female villain is like kind of bad and i feel like she's just a villain she just is a villain you know what i mean but also, it's undeniable that, like, her character is kind of, like, a negation of, of you know, like, the, the world that she lives in. Like, she would oh, rather yeah, definitely. down than that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, like, this, this switch, as I said. So, I, I agree, though. To, to like, um, limit her down to just that is, is kind of, like... It's kind of what the whole movie's fighting against. Yeah, like, it's, yeah, it's completely counterproductive, so that's dumb. But... Um, 
there is validity to like the whole feminist lens so mm, to speak. Yeah, definitely mm-hmm. if we could get into spoiler talk here here i kind of want to we can we can jump around later if we want i just want to get right to the thing that i had the most trouble with okay i don't understand why they got back together he has no choice. He, zero, he has no, no choice. choice. Not why to. did Why did she? Why? I, it doesn't make any sense to me why she would want that. Though. See, this is what I wanted to bring up. This is what I wanted to bring up, though. Sorry, no, close. I don't know why she would do that. So it, it makes the, zero, whole like, thing, the whole movie is about her, like, like taking revenge against like the system, and then she just goes back to it, just like fuck with him. No, she's, like, not, she's not going back to the same system, not at all. Yeah, she's going to the it, system she's, that she's created her, now. The role of the relationship has completely reversed. Where now she's the one with power over him that, instead of the other way around. Is so important. Exactly, and so mm-hmm. it's like going back to him is the ultimate way of fucking with him and torturing him. It yeah, really, it really. Yeah. Yeah, because this is the whole thing she always, she, about. the whole time she was the only one who had money. She was the only one that they talked with that. She was the only no, one. No, it's had, not like, that. They need not, money to buy. It's, it's not, not that. So Fincher, Fincher like the control in the relationship. You mean? No, it's not even control in the relationship. It isn't like one is dominant over the other. You know what I mean? Fincher talks about this a lot in interviews, and it's like the main thing he says in all those Fight Club interviews. The thing that was was so fascinating to him about uh, Gillian Flynn, I think is her name, script was the idea that like they talk about in the they talk he and her talk about like in the script it's like when you start seeing somebody it's like this you're both putting this front on to like get the other person right Mm -hmm. and the whole thing that i think her character is about is like the person she says it a lot throughout the entire movie it's it's like the first thing she says when she gets back with him like almost in the shower is like Ben Affleck, after they were married and were together for a little bit of time and like after all that stuff happened with like the economy and whatnot, he turned into a person she didn't agree to marry. Yeah, I understand that. So like the whole thing, the only reason reason she came back is because the power she had now is he has to be the person she agreed to marry. Why though? Because of the like the whole thing around her. The whole thing, like the entire like media story thing. Yeah. What do you mean? Why? I thought it was pretty clearly explained. Like I don't. And I'll, I I don't get I didn't I don't get that to me. That doesn't that doesn't that, that doesn't make make enough sense. Like I don't know why he like what's stopping him from just like he has no like not doing it. What do you mean? Because he because she can she literally says it herself and she like and he explains it as well how he can't just say no. Yeah, like he's, yeah. like she uproots his entire life and then. He's like, also, like, think about the fact that, like, once, like, in a situation like this, I mean, she is the villain and she's, like, perpetuated these things toward Nick, right? And then he feels trapped and sometimes in these dynamics, you feel like you can't leave. Yeah. And you become, it's kind of like, like, this, like, I don't know, Stockholm Syndrome, I guess? I don't know, sort of. But also just, like, she has this authority over him now and we can even see this like Margot is an example of an agreeable woman in his life do you know what i mean mm-hmm. definitely he, like, definitely he, yeah mm-hmm. he like maintains that through all throughout and like it establishes like this kind of dissonance between him and 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 margo or not margo him and um amy Definitely. I think it's it's like the the whole thing with the dynamic that I think she's trying to achieve and that why I feel like it comes full circle, even with that thing with the ending. It's all about perception and appearance 
and like essentially playing a character for yeah. the other person. It's why that first and last shot is so powerful. You know what I mean? It's she is different now from when you saw her in the beginning. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, um, it's not only like, it doesn't necessarily matter like within the entire, the, what I thought was so interesting about this was like looking at femininity from like a perspective of like culture and like these kind of like blanket feminism, sorry, from like these blanket things like wage gap and stuff like that. It's like, it's literally just in a two person relationship. You know what I mean? And a lot of people don't think those stuff don't affect those singular relationships when it does. And Amy's character is just all about essentially defying that and essentially making him do what he signed up for or what she signed up for. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And with um, like Margot kind of for, for Nick is like this like redemption kind of because mm-hmm. she trusts so much like as a character and like he, he gets his like, cause he, he like, he, he he like has to uh, fight with this like hatred that he has for women like he has to actually settle and- like right there and then and 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 i think the i think Margot is still an interesting character and i i th- i think she isn't like completely um she's separate from nick in a very interesting way like even when she finds out nick is cheating she still like confronts him about it but i thought was weird is like he isn't she isn't really confronting him that he was cheating She's like confronting him that this w- is gonna make it worse for him. I think it's also because she kind of hates Amy. You can tell even mm-hmm. before that she doesn't. She did not like yeah. her. So I, I think it's like I don't like she didn't care that Amy's like hurt by that. She's like like how, why would you do that like to yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Makes him feel better about himself, mm-hmm, which definitely. yeah. And I I um, think the one I think the where besides like the cool girl monologue, which is like goaded at this point. Yeah, but like, um, where I think Rosamund Pike is, see, I got her name, um, <laughs> is the best in is like all the scenes, um, with Neil Patrick Harris because she's doing this thing where she's what she's acting is she's acting how Amy would act, and when I say act, I don't mean like act in like behavior, but she's acting how Amy would act somebody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm which I thought was like insane because you still see the, in her performance, you still see like the cracks of where Amy's real personality is when she's playing the person Neil Patrick Harrison wants her to be. Cause yeah. that's what I think is so interesting about her character is like, even when um her money gets the loan and everything, she's still able to like make a plan and execute if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. And when she does that, you see like the methodicalness of what she does and like, like I mean, that sex scene is insane. I mean, it's not a sex scene; it's a murder scene. Yeah. But <laughs> I think I think like in murder. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think the that was also another issue I had, honestly. Mm-hmm. What? Because if if the point was that she was like so against like these norms that she's willing to like frame Nick for murder, she's like that's like as bad as murder. That's how she justifies it. But she does actual murder. How does she justify that? What do you mean? Is it just that like the guy was like a, like how does she justify actually murdering someone? Like what's her reasoning? Is I, she just like crazy? I, I, well, obviously she is like crazy. She's like the villain of yeah. the movie. But like how does she internally justify it? I think the internal justification yeah. is the idea that it's not only that when she goes back to Neil Patrick Harris 
because she plays this like a victim, she'll take him in. It's like Neil Patrick, Neil Patrick. I've never said Neil Patrick Harris's name this much <laughs> in my entire life. <laughs> but like, like Neil Patrick is, yeah, whatever. When she comes back to him, because she's playing this like role of like this victim, that's when she's willing. That's when he's willing to accept her. Like when she's not that character, when she, when, when Amy isn't Neil, Amy, Neil Patrick's Amy, bro. I'm out here with the tongue twisters, bro. I'm out here with the tongue twisters. <laughs> but when I'm just gonna call him Neil, he's just yeah. my boy Neil. Yeah. When Amy isn't Neil's Neil, or Neil's Amy. <laughs> I'm really out here today. I'm really out here today. Um, Just keep going. You got this. You got this. When she isn't his, there's no. He has no use for her. She has no. Yeah. He has no use for who Amy actually is. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, I actually I disagree. Really? How? How would? Oh wait, are we? Do you mean Neil Patrick Harris? Or do you mean Nick? I mean Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris. Oh okay. Yeah. In that case, I agree. But then, why didn't she? Just, why didn't she just kill Nick then? Because no. Nick, Nick, no. Nick, Nick, at some point before he switched and like they were married for a long time, Nick and Amy's relationship was good. Like mm-hmm. Neil Patrick Harris's relationship oh, okay. and Amy's relationship was never like an actual connection. He was I also... like Amy was always Neil's Amy, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of like an interesting. Okay, I see that. To hope to have in there, like the, I mean, the idea of having like this idealization of someone in your mind, mm-hmm. and them not being that whatsoever. But also in terms of like Amy and Nick and why Callum, why I think they also have to come back together at the end is that um, Amy and Nick, there's sh- like it's there's it's very like at the forefront, like near the beginning, like they they kind of establish their relationship with their parents and like how like, they were formed into the people that they are today and like amy is someone who will will always feel like everything is inadequate like there will never be enough from that other partner because of the stifling like the way the way that her parents like just like kind of had that neglect with her and then nick on the other hand is someone who is really desperate to like please people and he feels this need to like like to talk his way out of out of everything and like he and and because of that they worked really well for a while like they maintain they maintained a facade and he was trying really hard to please her and like when he like proposes and he does all this like you know grabbing and stuff she feels seen by mm-hmm. him and then eventually stops mm-hmm. and then she feels she feels inadequate again because he's not giving more than he can mm-hmm which I think is an even deeper thing because she feels like her, 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 what's the word? Personality or like who she is as a person is defined by him. Cause there's even that scene when, when, when he's playing video games or whatever and he hasn't like cleaned up and stuff is like when, when Ben Affleck does those things, he makes her up stereotype. You know what I mean? Like she talks about, I'm the nagging shrewd or whatever, right? And it's like, I feel like that's another thing about Amy's character that is like the, I think what is so primally like crazy about her or whatever is like, she still feels so defined by um, like Ben Affleck and like the men in her life, but 
she's only willing to accept it, which I think is the powerful part, when it's what she wants, if that makes sense. Which she weaponizes this idea of being like a meek victim complex woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And, and this is what allows her to assert her dominance. It's like when she, with like Neil Patrick Harris, there I go saying his name, or um, like, you know. One first try. Yeah. Five minutes too many times. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, she's uh, she's very interested in how she's seen in the news as well, and on mm -hmm. the TV show, and by like the police and stuff, and even that uh, the female cop, I think her name is Rhonda, and like even she sees the when Amy comes back, she like sees the cracks in Amy's like philosophy and like story and whatnot, and like next to Affleck and like like Tyler Perry and, and Margot, like she is still, the, the female cop is still really seeing that. You know what I mean? I think the thing for me is I just like the societal norms at a certain point are only so powerful when she's like, even Nick says this, she's a little literal like murderer. Why would he like, like the, the thing they say, the, the bad thing that's going to happen is that like society is going to like shun him. Is it better to like stay with someone who might murder him? I, I don't I don't understand why like what what it is her is worth for him are purely on image like mm -hmm. she has no, like she has no desire to kill Nick unless it would somehow further her own agenda which it wouldn't ever do that yeah like it is always having him be the person who who lives who survives or whatever and she's down on the, on the ground or whatever and she's suffering because of him because of what she what he's placing on her so like he is necessary like he she he there's some like she's obviously very calculated and she knows how to make things work for herself yeah but I, and, think, I think nick is just as invested in appearance as amy is not in a psychopathic oh. way but in the exact same way because he won't leave her in the end yeah he's just as he's just as convinced yeah yeah. Shame and like parents, like I think like with his father, he has he wants this this perfect like mm -hmm. cookie cutter um life. And I also think that's part of the reason why he, he stays with Amy too is for um his like unborn son. That also that also confuses me. Does that mean that sperm sample from like however many years ago apparently that was? Well, Still no, he is, like, doesn't active. know it's 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 real. I thought it was. I thought that was the point. But she said she would take. But she said she would take like any test. So what? Like what's stopping him from? Like, oh, it's not real. Then they're leaving. I don't know. Maybe but, she, she did. That's the only reason why he's there, though, Callum. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's no, not the only reason. I feel like Fab, you're applying your logic as to why you would leave with him, even though. Yeah. No, I know, but he literally he literally says you're a murderer. He recognizes yeah, that. Even though he acknowledges that, that, that doesn't mean like you're still applying your logic as to why someone should leave. As but also, him. yeah. And think about like if you, if someone in your life like, like actually like killed someone and you knew them so well and you had such like a well developed relationship with them and you saw like they're this like multifaceted person and you saw one kind of side of them and then they did this, there would be some hesitation, yeah, I feel like. They're fully not. But you would have some kind of like you'd have a brief moment of like, okay, where's like where do we bury it? You yeah. know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. I, like, I feel like that's kind of like the point. Yeah. You know? uh -huh. 
Definitely, yeah. Okay. I see. I, I'm I'm not entirely into that, but I definitely see mm-hmm. it. Gas. I'm definitely I'm definitely a, a lot more understanding than I was mm-hmm. before. Gas. Gas. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think Gas. the other thing that's really telling of like how much um, Ben Affleck is invested in his like appearance, and it's not the same way Amy is. Like in 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 other people, he's invested in his appearance of of people that don't even know him really because of like his platform or whatever. Is like. His, this like thing he does where he like tries to be polite and that politeness can come off as insincerity because it is but mm-hmm. him trying to be polite is sincere sincere if that makes sense that, mm-hmm. maybe uh, maybe that's like really convoluted but it's like that scene when he takes a picture with the girl or when he smiles at his wife's missing poster it's like he's trying mm-hmm. to be like he says like oh i'm trying to be like the person like my parents taught me to be you know what i mean and it's like he's he's doing that to be sincere but then he his sincerity isn't his his sincere thoughts are not met with sincere actions yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i think that's the most telling thing about how he tries to look good for other people you know what I mean? And That's why he doesn't tell his sister when his sister's the, his, he doesn't tell his sister that he's been cheating on Amy, even when she's like the only person who would understand or not understand, but like be, be there for him in that because he still, he still cares yeah. how he looks. Mm-hmm. And he warps reality to make himself feel better as well. I feel like that's why the okay. monologue is so important as well, because we understand the, the, the thing that draws these two together, like, Nick is concerned with appearances. Amy wants to run from her family. She's also never feels like anything suffices. They come together in this way. And then like, at the same time, they also are so polarizing for each other. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's like really a brilliantly tight script. Like this it's is perfect. Like, perfect. It's an mm-hmm. insanely tight script. It's so good. Yeah. Even when um like the exposition, like when he's talking to that other guy that Margot's done this to. Or yeah. not Margot, saying Margot instead of Amy. But like that like establishes like everything. Mm-hmm. And like when uh, when the um when the cops are there and they're pretty much like lawyer up, buddy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think I think the beginning of this movie is the the idea of like the split of this movie like not revealing like the cool girl monologue until like halfway through like mid second act i think is like so smart mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it puts you it it gives you the opportunity to really be in the headspace of every character if that makes sense mm-hmm. it, like it really does because a lot of like the thriller movies that we've discussed and we've we've been talking about this like through all the other ones that we're doing for this episode is like the idea of information and I feel like all the other movies, I think, aside from Country for, No Country for Old Men, but No Country for Old Men still kind of has a barrier of information of things. But like, this doesn't necessarily give you everything, but it lets you be in everybody's perspective. You know what I mean? To think like everybody does. Because I feel like if this movie continued just from Nick's perspective or just from Amy's perspective, it would be like so much weaker, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it was executed really well. Um, I, I, I watched like a Fincher interview, 
and like there's a lot of like you know like, like that um kubrick fincher comparison thing where it's like they both do so many takes or whatever and like yeah. and like people how like people complain about it but it's like not an issue at all or whatever but um i thought it was really cool something he talked about was like when he would shoot um the scenes like when he would shoot his actors in like big uh scenes he would light I think his cinematographer is like Jeff Cronenworth, who is actually the son of the Blade Runner cinematographer. Oh, shit. Yeah. And then um, they would light, because when you're, when you're doing takes, um, like on a movie set, you when you're doing like a over-the-shoulder, like um, shot, reverse shot, you light for each take. You don't have like all-around lighting. Like you can't just like pan the camera. You have to do a whole nother lighting setup. The way they do it is they light they they do like 360 lighting i'm not sure if it's completely true for the entire movie but it's kind of so like when the actors are like going like every scene is each other's scene it's like that thing people say about like al pacino like in all like al pacino's or like robert de Niro's real movie if he's not in the shot or if it's just like the back of his head he's not actually there you know what i mean like he's not gonna be on set if he doesn't absolutely have to be yeah but like on this movie like and that's kind of like the thing that like takes away from the movie because i was i was thinking about like who who like whose head is that in the frame then yeah. and it's not it's not de niro yeah. but it's like the way he shot it is like all the actors could just like go go and go and go for like his like kubrick like level of like 26 takes or whatever but i thought that was super interesting because you get like so much emotion from very little minute things and i think that happens in all these movies like no country for old men like even when like jeff bridges not is it jeff i might know it's just not <laughs> jeff why did i say jeff bridges <laughs> <laughs> but even when he's cutting because josh josh Brolin, Brolin. even when josh brolin's cutting like the saw of the the he's like sawing the um shotgun like nozzle shotgun. off like they're they're shooting all these things and these like very physical things that are like so important to the story you know what i mean and i feel like that's a theme like through all of them but yeah fire movie tight script worm pod uh i also wanted to add this movie has some really weird casting choices that really work out well. like neil patrick harris and mm-hmm. tyler perry i i was like i was like 75 percent joking when i said tyler perry is the best actor in this movie He's obviously but not. But still, he's great. But like every scene he's, every scene he's in, it makes it like so much. Like I don't know what it is about his character. He's, he's so um, interesting to watch. I could watch that character talk for so he long. He said he didn't know, know when he accepted the role that it was a David Fincher movie, and that if he knew, he wouldn't have accepted it. Really, really. Yeah. <laughs> what an idiot! Oh, Tyler Perry is good. What for an it, huh? idiot! No diss. Actually, diss. You did good for <laughs> it. Fucking Tyler Perry. Gonna go do another Medea movie. <laughs> I cannot with this guy. I'm done. But this is this is Neil Patrick Harrison. Or how about the this star? Is... He he accepted being the star, the animated retelling of uh, listen, the first Christmas. This is the only good performance of Neil. The only good performance. Yeah, I literally like. I was like, damn, because I I read the script too. Like at one mm. point for one of the where like um nick knocks at his door yeah and like like give him nothing and and then neil like he like he like he bodied that I yeah like, it was it was like solid okay this but starship was, troopers though it was really well done was, every single person couldn't have imagined someone else playing them i completely agree yeah but downsizing no, starship though. choosers oh, yeah, starship troopers 
down he downsizing. He was in Starship Troopers. That doesn't count though. He was. He Wait, was. Get in it? You like Tyler West. Perry, Callum? <laughs> we get it, Callum. You like you like Tommy Lee He's Jones. Cute. <laughs> I mean, this movie slaps. I mean, exactly. we—it's been—it's been talked to death, like all these like Fincher thingies, like his directing style, whatever. But like the use of CGI in this movie is insane. It reminds me a lot of the use of CGI in Parasite, yeah. where it's like it's not like flashy CGI. It's just like CGI to like add small little environment things to the story, so it feels like a fleshed out world. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Fincher slaps. We should get to rankings of Fincher films. Can we actually do that? Oh, well, yes, okay. please. I haven't seen. Actually, no, I lied. I haven't seen. I haven't seen Mank yet. Mank's like uh, Emmanuel thinks differently. I think it's just like good. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it, Emmanuel loves it, but I think curious it, case of Benjamin Button number one. <laughs> <laughs> I already, no, I already Alien made that three. joke. Alien, Alien three number one. Alien three is not even a David Fincher movie, though. Yes, it is. I don't I know, but it's like I, not though. I don't care what he says. I don't care what he says. It's it's just a David Fincher movie. Okay, I want to see. I want to see what Fiona says. What is, what's your ranking? Um. Okay. Now that I'm really looking at this again, I would probably put Gone Girl first. Yeah. Because. Yeah. Um, and then. I don't know. I I would not. I wouldn't put. I got, I have a pretty clear idea of what mine is. I yeah, me say. too. Me too. Okay. I think mine mine is Gone Girl, uh, because of this conversation. Purely just because of this conversation. Yeah. Gone Girl, Zodiac, Social Network, Seven, Mank, Fight Club, and then oh. I haven't seen the rest. <laughs> okay. My Dude, Zodiac so like long. I you don't like Zodiac? Zodiac I, slaps. I, it feels like you might as well just make me read a book then. <laughs> okay, me and Emmanuel basically have the same rating, so it's like Gone. Mine's Gone Girl, then Zodiac, then Social Network, then um, Seven, then Girl Dragon Tattoo, then Fight Club, then Mank, then Benjamin Button, and then Alien Three. Okay. <laughs> Gone Girl, Social Network, Zodiac, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Seven, um, Fight Club, Benjamin Button, and I haven't seen Mank or um, The Gamer, Panic Room, or Alien 3. So. People hate on Mank, bro. I want to do a Mank episode. It's just, like, it's just good. Like it's- people hate on Mank. People hate on Mank. I don't even think... I think it's people just being, like, mad at them because they're pretentious. No, I completely get why. It's just a bunch of... It's exactly what your viewers. It's a bunch of snobby, fucked, like, elderly, white, rich, white people, like, sh- like just talking about how, like, just gliss gloating together with themselves. It's mm-hmm. so hard to sympathize with bourgeois. Like, I... I, I, I want- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh my god. This is equality but like i just can't i can't bring myself there mank slaps and i think i think i'm yet i have yet to i have yet to watch watch a, this watch guy, a better this movie. guy Cal mccallister talk to me again talk to me again <laughs> i've yet to watch a better gary oldman performance um i, I, I don't know <laughs> stop okay. Can I- Tiptoes. I just pretty say, fire. the poster for Fight Club is so bad. 
Oh, it's horrible. It's, why is why is the poster become like like that is not his body or the or that body's arm. This movie when I was in grade A Fight Club, oh my so exact gosh. Same here. In grade A, grade A B, this was like my favorite movie in grade A. I was like this is like the Oh my god. Kid. This movie was like about me in the deepest way in grade eight. Like you don't understand. I started a fight club at my school after watching this movie. Oh my God, for some reason, I thought you were talking about Gone Girl and I was trying to figure out if you related more to Amy or Nick and I was having a moment. Oh no. <laughs> I was like, Amanda, where do you fit into this? But Tyler Durden, oh my gosh, bro. He, this, okay. Fight Club, sometimes I'm like, Fight Club is still my favorite Fincher movie because of how much it was about me. You know what I mean? Oh. Like, sometimes I'm like, yo, Fight Club slaps Loki. And then I'm like, wait a second. I'm in grade eight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on. I was waiting back for a sec. It's so funny just how like people watch Fight Club and they want to be like Tyler Durden and they they like want to be like Edward Norton. It's like it's like did you watch the same movie? Like it's it's like how can you miss the point? I like this movie was about me, man. I'm sorry. Fight Club is Wolf of Wall Street, and there's just nothing else to say. <laughs> no, no, I get it's on the same like wavelength. But yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Fight Club's like a good movie. Wolf of Wall Street. Fight Club's a good movie. It's just been ruined by the people. But I feel like that's the point of the movie. Like it, it had to be ruined by it what? by the people well, who love the movie. I don't think they were going into it. And they were like, I can't wait for like a bunch of douchebags to identify. Oh God. Toxic <laughs> masculinity. Like no, I don't think like that was. But obviously, there was gonna there was gonna be fallout, and the fallout yeah. was like the fallout was bad. <laughs> big big junk. But um my favorite part of Fight Club is the IKEA like catalog moment. My oh, like, it's oh, so yeah. good. My favorite part is so sick. My favorite part is Gary Leto getting fucking punched in the face until <laughs> just a massive blood and so good. I just don't like Gary Leto. That he's that. a legend though. Yeah. Seems like a perfect seems like a perfectly <laughs> reasonable response. I hope I, best, I love watching his uh, Jared Leto performance was Blade Runner because he was just playing himself. No, no, that I just, <laughs> I just don't I just don't agree with that. <laughs> he I, was just playing himself in, no, in Blade Runner. No, he plays himself in um um. Hold on, <laughs> hold on, hold on. In Suicide Squad, in Suicide Squad, that's the one. It's the one. It's Suicide Squad. He just plays himself. Okay, I think we stopped talking. I feel like about we should. I feel like this now. is the only, only the beginning. Ooh, this I'm, is only the beginning. I'm Jarletto. I lost weight for this role. Look at me. Ooh. My my finger is Please, covering actually, over don't the stop. face. I actually want to talk about Fincher more. I actually want to talk about Fincher more. Same, same. Okay, so like, get on with it. What do you guys think of um the Social Network? Okay. I... <laughs> This is not what How the podcast is supposed to be. You're just because you haven't watched the, a good movie, what, in, in, except Country for Old Norman. I can't even <laughs> say the name. <laughs> okay, keep going. Keep going for you. Sorry, Fiona. We interrupted you. Oh, um. Okay, I I think that the Social Network has such great pacing. Um, mm. I sometimes. Okay, that's why I also really like like the Safety Brothers. Yeah, I just I really like like fast fast pacing and like it just it flows so well and like Sorkin like okay yeah 
sort of thing. <laughs> but like, he, he's good. Like he does know how to like make you like, like whenever you're like, like the dialogue is so complicated that like you, you it clicks at the end and you, and you resonate with the character who like doesn't really understand what's fully going on. Mm-hmm. And then, you know what I mean? Like when um, him and the and his ex are having that conversation at the very beginning. Mm-hmm, definitely, it's a, it's, have, a, it's, a, it's a classic scene. It's it's like he it's it's objectively good. Yeah, it's like it feels like he, he's jerking himself off. <laughs> <clears throat> well, yeah. speaking of jerking off, when I watch <laughs> when I watch Social Network. okay wait i can't (laughs) when i watch social network it enhances the experience so much if in my head i just i imagine that andrew garfield is in love with jesse eisenberg that it's so it is that movie it is that yeah exactly exactly but like if i didn't if i didn't like have that if i wasn't aware of that like watching it then it would significantly um lower my enjoyment i i think i think the social network is like a classic movie no it is no, like what Lucas said is so important like that yeah. is it has become like a film like a, like a queer film in so many ways that sorkin and fincher never intended it to be. literally literally Mm-hmm, like, it's become mm-hmm. something so like different from what it like what it initially like was trying to do and i think that's so beautiful exactly like, i know it's crazy so i want to tell it to like sorkin's face but in like an insulty kind of way like like <laughs> oh like oh you didn't expect this to happen because it, 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 it happened but it did exactly. i know it's crazy do you guys do you guys remember when this podcast Callum, was you're getting replaced uh, with thriller movies <laughs> get absolutely wrecked Get absolutely. I've right. lost all patience at this point. The thing about the the thing about the oh, social you network have, is huh? like when when um Jesse Eisenberg, it's not even necessarily just Jesse Eisenberg. It's like the fact that David Fincher, like casts like he he has impeccable casting. Yeah, like it's insane. Like it's insane. Yeah, he's really really good because Jesse Eisenberg is so punchable. And yeah. it like yes, idea like this like concept of Mark Zuckerberg is so much more. It's mm-hmm. so powerful. He's so good at that. Yeah. Like think of think of think of think about pitching this movie with a cast and not like with the pitch. It's like Jesse Eisenberg, Andrew Garfield, Justin Timberlake. Uh, uh, you can. I think you could leave Justin Timberlake out. Of, I think you could replace Justin Timberlake with like um, <laughs> Tyler Perry. <laughs> Army Hammer or something, Rooney Mara. The the Army Hammer twins. But like, but but like, like think about or like just even just like Ben Affleck, Rosamund Pike, Tyler Perry. Yeah. Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> yeah, I know. I go. Even. Like it's crazy. Like his casting is is insane. I don't. And they're all so perfect. Like they're so perfectly those characters. Man, He's the definition of like having like no loose ends. Yeah, definitely. Except for me. I feel like after Alien Three, he was just like. I can't do it again. Except for Mank. I just, ex- <laughs> you dis Mank, Luca. You dis Mank. I'll probably look back a little bit and be like, "Yo, Emmanuel was in grade twelve. He loved Mank. He- Emmanuel, Emmanuel, Emmanuel just watched. Um, Emmanuel just watched Citizen Kane for the first time, and he was like, "Yo, Mank slaps." 
<laughs> that's just gonna that's just certain to happen i hope you realize that that's just yeah. oh my gosh bro. manual of course he loves meg of, of course emmanuel loved meg it is good rewatching was like what a piece of shit. at least i'm a little self-aware at least i'm a little self-aware <laughs> But yeah, do you get? The, do you guys hear the complaints about how people say they don't remember what happens in the beginning of seven? I I don't remember. You don't remember, Yana? Do you, have you seen? You've seen seven, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I people say like, oh, like the the start of seven sucks. Only like that last half is good. I thought the whole movie was good, but you know, the whole movie's good. But I do I do not remember the first. All right, let's 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 spare Callum. Let's spare Callum. Speaking of Fortnite, burning twenty eighteen. <laughs> How that's, that's not how we're getting back into it. That's not it's one hundred percent. My movie was Burning, directed by um legendary Korean director who I've not watched enough films of. Nice. Very sadly, uh Lee Chang Don. And and this movie slaps, bro. This is one of the best movies that I came into knowing nothing about it. This is easily. like genuinely this is genuinely one of the best movies I've ever seen. Just like, like same with like um, Cure. Same with all these movies. Same with just all these movies. Like this. Yeah, is- I was gonna say this, this is like in contention for like the best movies episode. This yeah, or the this the Ghibli one or the last one I IMO. Literally, yeah. and it's like Burning is like it's it's one of those movies where it's just everyone who watches it is speechless mm-hmm. it's it's almost like it's almost like there's so much to say but it's also impossible to say any of it you know yeah mm-hmm. i'll mm-hmm. say it. i'll say it right now i'm gonna come out the door with this one this is the best movie this week really honestly i think so even though i i said uh cure was the scariest movie i think i'm on the exact same page of Callum. really yeah i don't even think it's the best movie this week and i picked it okay <laughs> i am i'm ready for this I guess like the, there's so much I want to talk about. There's so spoilers much. right at the gate. I'm not. I'm not talking yeah, about this movie vaguely yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm just not. I'm just. Yeah. Not. Yeah. Lee Chang Don. He used to be a novelist. Yeah. And he turned filmmaker. Like I said, I haven't watched enough of his films. I need to. But mm. this, like Gone Girl, has such a deeply tight script. Holy just, fuck! Like, an insanely tight script. The amount of layers to mm-hmm. this fucking script. It's like, layers, it's like an layers. iceberg. It's like a fucking iceberg. Yes, bro. I would think there's the top layer, which is just what you literally see. Mm-hmm. And there's the fucking Mount Everest of <laughs> all this shit to fucking pick up on. This is like, you could watch this movie like a hundred times. Mm-hmm. I watched this movie still, twice. I watched the movie I, twice. I've, because I saw it back in 2018. So mm-hmm. I, since then, I've seen it like seven times i think really? i love re-wa- i love rewatching movies i i know some people are like don't get it but i love doing it no i love rewatching them too. this is a perfect movie each rewatch i've had a different take on what happens really the character yeah, yeah. Hey, let's before just, we get I, into I like the whole thing about like what happens in the end and kind of stuff i want to yeah. talk about just like the the themes of the movie and like the characters yeah. and stuff sorry cal go ahead Cal. um i think this movie is very like it's a very quintessentially like Asian movie. Korean, I'm not sure. I don't know enough about like Korean culture in particular, but this movie is so like like uniquely like it's such like an Asian film. Like everything about it, it's like so like culturally connected to the movie. Mm-hmm. Everything about it has to do with like like the culture of Asia, like the Korea specifically. The, yeah, Korea specific because it's in Korea. 
there's like the line about like North Korea shooting over the yeah the uh, propaganda with like their mm-hmm. sound cannon. That's a real mm-hmm. thing too. It's yeah terrifying. Everything okay. about this movie, like the, the characters, the setting, everything about it is so it's so good. And I think the defining thing about that point, like the thing that stands out above all else that like confirms your point is the length and the pacing of it and how slow it is. I can't believe I'm saying that a movie that is so excruciatingly, like excruciatingly slow and I would never, I would not have it any other way. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like Korean movies and just uh, movies like Asian movies, they all, they like, they take their time. There's no, Absolutely, there's no rush to get anywhere. Like this, there's like, so much patience with. There's with so much this film. patience, and this is like the pinnacle of that because of how really how like slow it does feel. But it's never, it's never feels like your time is wasted. I want to talk also about what um Calm said about like it feeling very Korean, like a very yeah. Korean movie and very off the culture. Like this past week, I've developed like a deep, deep man crush on Steven Yeun. Yep. Like a very deep man. He's hot. He's like, hot. yes, bro, he is. And 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 so I watched like so I watched Minari this week as well, which is his new film. Mm-hmm. And I watched this twice and I watched Sorry to Bother You Again. And what a what a fucking oh what a catalog. What a catalog. And so he in interviews, I watched like I watched so many interviews with Steven Young about this movie. Yeah. But in his interviews, he talked a lot about how like he was he almost actually turned down this role because really? he was afraid like in his own words he said he's he was afraid that he was going to mess up director lee's movie and what like what a fucking what a I guy know, what a what an absolute what a legend, legend. Oh. i know but also so like what he was talking about was because he he talked about how he grew up in america and he was only in korea for the first four years of his life when he was very young so like not yeah. enough to remember he said he felt like like calm was saying which is cool like even if calm i don't know if you knew about like all the stuff that you're saying in the interviews but like it still comes across because this he was talking about how he was afraid to let his character because it was so Korean, like the character itself was so Korean. That, that's what he said about it. And he felt like he was only able to play uh, Korean characters in like foreign roles, like he does in Minari and stuff like that. And he wasn't able to mm-hmm. play a character that is Korean, not only because of like not knowing the language deeply and stuff like that, but like yeah. because of like the mannerisms and like everything about being Korean and whatnot. And like the, f- like the fact that he was able to pull that off and like, I found that so interesting that Calum even mentioned that, like, without even knowing all that stuff about Steven Yun was so cool. And that's not even, like, getting into his character at all. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> I just want to, okay. I just need to know, everyone, what the fuck do you think happened? Like, who, who do you, what do you think Steven Yun's deal was? Okay, I'm taking, think- I'm going with my take right off the gate. Yeah. The scene with his mom didn't actually happen. And the scene where Steven Yun puts the lipstick on the lady's lips didn't actually happen. That's my take. It's because in the entire movie, there's no other scenes that are not from Jung's perspective. Yeah. There's no other scenes. And those are the only two ones at the end. And they're the only two scenes in the movie that are contradictory. That are complete yeah, like explicitly confirm Jung's like ideas. Oh my so god. So my take is that both of those scenes didn't happen. And the thing that makes me confirm it the most is those scenes happen directly, and I mean like directly after. 
Jung start, sits after his dad is convicted and he sits to write down. So I think he literally writes those things down. I never even thought of that. Holy fuck. Yeah, that's my take on the movie. <laughs> oh my god, he did. He did. Oh like, my I feel god. like that's Sorry, my take. Say, like, say this thing. Say that again. Which which scene with his mom? Who's this? I forget this. Why do I forget this? So you know how I just watched mom movie. in the end. So you know how there's that whole thing about um saving um Hai Mei from the from the well and like mm-hmm. her parents uh, her parents her mom and sister say it didn't happen and when he goes back yeah. to where she lived the guy says it doesn't happen but then when he meets his mom out of nowhere the entire movie she said there she, was a well yeah she said there was a well so i think not only is he fictionalizing in his head that his mom came back after like the trauma that he faced with his mom and her leaving and having to burn her clothes like he talked about not only is he fictionalizing that in his head but he's literally fictionalizing the fact that he's she's telling him like that it happened you know what i mean and that happened that scene happens if i'm not mistaken i might be mistaken but that happens exactly right like right after his father's convicted and he goes to like start writing his like book or whatever he's writing that's my take though and the and i think i think the the scene with ben alone and like applying the lipstick to that girl is so evidently a construction of his mind like there's no other way it's not it's God, so you're purposely just right. like you're right. It's so purposely that you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But then that's, still, like, okay. But then, but then, but no, but it's I, like, what, what do you think happened to to the? I, I forget her name. I feel. Oh, I feel hi May, hi May, hi May. Yeah, what do you think happened? Hi May, I'm not sure. I know yeah. bad pronunciation, but uh, I think, like, at the end of the day, I kind of think there's two sides of me. It's like one is it didn't happen. The cat and the watch are coincidence right? And then there's the other side of me that's like, it doesn't matter. It's just about him creating that fiction in his head. You know what I mean? It doesn't really wow. matter if it happened or not. You know what I mean? Wow. I've never had a- either of those sides watching it. To me, it's always been between whether or not um, she's alive or dead. Oh, so I think, okay. My other take is, my other take is, I feel like I'm just rambling and not letting you guys talk, but my other take is after watching the second time, this is I focus on Jaime's character so intently. Yeah. Is I think she just I think there's more evidence that she would have just ran away and disappeared because of like her monologue about the sun and in yeah. Africa. And the scene when um Jung tells her about his dad and she's like, I don't want to know. Like I don't want and she's talking about how she doesn't want to like die. She'd rather just vanish but, as if she never existed. But the phone call. That's what fucks it up for me each time when I when yeah, I try yeah. to convince myself. It's the the phone call fucks yeah. it up. How do you explain that with the logic of her running away? Yeah. What but do you? No, what do some you, people some people say the phone calls her his mom. Like some people say that's his mom. What? Okay, okay, wait, Colin, Colin, what do you, what do you, what what's your take, <laughs> Colin? What's what's your take on what happened? Okay, this is definitely the wrong take. Like when I was watching this movie, I wasn't like. I, I was like, I need to watch this again to like have a better opinion on it or like have a better like take. I was just like watching it purely the first time. So my understanding of what the story was like, I like I understand that there was a contradictory contradict contradiction in like the mom saying the well, the well wasn't real. Mm-hmm. The well was real. I mean, mm-hmm. so in my mind, Jong just didn't know what was going on. Like he like Stephen like was up to some shady shit. But yeah. he had no idea, and he just had like such like a severe misunderstanding and like incapability to like find the truth or handle it. 
So mm-hmm. in his mind, he just like he's like, oh, he's a Gatsby. He's some like rich fuck yeah. who like took my girlfriend. Yeah. So he just like stabs her. When that happened, oh my god! Yeah. Yun's performance. Oh my oh god! My god, bro! It's like because in that in that scene in that scene like this is like five minutes left in the movie, like yeah. ten minutes left in the movie, and I was like, oh, they're just there. I was like, I don't know why Emmanuel said this was a thriller. There's no like. And then he just stabs him, and I'm like, "Oh, everything makes sense. Everything goes it's like, oh my god, it's script of all time. It's insane." When he stabbed, <laughs> and like the the way it looked when he stabbed him, it was like, yeah. Mm. Yeah. it was so violent." Oh my god! Oh my god! Okay, will, so then the I thing I was say gonna this, say. Wait, 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 shut up, shut up, shut up, wait, 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 shut up, shut up. Um, the guy who plays Jong, he did what Ichi from Ichi the Killer tried to do like a thousand times over. I have to agree. I like Ichi the Killer, but I have to agree. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's he's so good. He's so good in every scene. He's so. Incredible! It's amazing. Like as an actor, it's <laughs> it's like it's I I can't handle how good he is in this movie. How good all the performances are. Yeah, yeah. I think this is the this one is where it, the performance movie. review is like so hard for me. Just between the three of them, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't, I can't do it. it. I, I, I wouldn't. Do it. I would need to like. I would need to like seriously like. We'd have to do a coin toss. Yeah, I was thinking Two Face. This is going. This is going on my. This is going on my list. It's insane. It's good. so good. And okay, so the other thing, the other thing, I on second watch, see, like I got a lot of the stuff about like the him, like the scene with the lipstick being fake on first watch, mm-hmm. but something, I didn't see it at all. something about I'm the second watch made like Jaime the most like intriguing character to me just because yeah. of like how she was like molded in Jung's eyes mm-hmm. and like like the thing that i think supports my other theory of like it doesn't matter it the only thing that matters is that he believes it and that's yeah. why i killed her killed him is the thing about the pantomiming remember the thing about like it the orange doesn't have to you don't have to pretend the orange is there. You just have to pretend like, or I don't know what the exact quote is, but you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. That, yeah, that you exact don't, same you don't thing to, applies to You don't have to, to believe it's there. You just can't believe it's not there. Exactly. Yeah. That's the exact you thing. Have to just, like, exact you have thing to have Jung such like, her. you have to have like, such like a, a deep like faith that that thing is like, you can't like imagine a world where that isn't the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. Mm. The, the characters, just the three of them, they work on so many levels. Like Jung is like this, by in the beginning of the movie he's kind of admirable because he's living in like his father's shadow and like the his like family and whatnot but by yeah. the end he's like pathetic yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. I, yeah he's not even the protagonist the whole time, anymore. He, the whole time he's kind of pathetic but he he manages to get away with it so well it's so surprising mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i don't know how he how i don't know how he isn't like there's that's just a stereotype in like asian movies like in japanese ones too where it's like this like meek little like shitty wimpy male character who like yeah learns how to like take life by the balls and like be a man in mm-hmm. this one the whole time he's just like this wimpy little like 
nothing. He's clear mm-hmm. he has like social anxiety of some kind, but like mm-hmm. he just can't like function in society. Yeah, and it's just so it's just so good. It's insane. And then, and then the other thing I was going to say about Jung and just about all the characters with like how many levels they work on, like the idea of like loneliness and like the small apartments and how you feel, how like trapping all those rooms feel. Yeah. Like, like his house, her house, the, the, the courtroom, all those, all those places, like they have such like life to them, but like this sadness as well. And then like Mm -hmm. Steven Yeun's character is, is, is like oh it it's it's it for me it's like how much the character is like shaped the way we see him is shaped through jung's eyes you know what i mean to the point by the end we're literally having a fiction about him well in my interpretation we're having like this fiction about him and like this idea of like uh, Stephen Yun talked a lot about like Gatsby and like the like the rich asshole kind of thing and the the thing he brought to the role the like American thing he brought to the role was like the idea of like being like well traveled and stuff like that and like he conveys so many things one of the things that made me hate Stephen Yun in the beginning before I kind of saw what the movie was doing is when Jaime is doing that dance in the restaurant and then yeah. he's like yawns it's just yeah. a shot of him yawning yeah. It's insane. Mm-hmm. I wanted to say this. Every everything in this, I, I like noted this while I was watching. Everything in this movie, it's done in a way that like your thought process is like the same as the character, mm-hmm. and it's not in the sense where like they show you what is happening. Like they show you, they show him like, oh, I know this is happening, so that means that I should track which greenhouses are in the area. Mm-hmm. It like you just un- like you understand that like. Yeah. Like you're you at like at a certain point you're thinking the same way he's thinking. Like you're connecting yeah. the dots as he as, as he, he is. is, even though they're wrong. Like I in in, a, in another interpretation I have, I believe that the greenhouses. Like when he said greenhouses, he didn't actually mean greenhouses. Like it could have been anything. Yeah, why why did he lie about that? Why did he say yeah, that? But- yeah. yeah. So then he he just attaches onto anything because if he finds a burnt greenhouse, like if for him, it's like if he finds the burnt greenhouse, he's able to say Jaime's dead. You know what I mean? He's able to like confirm it in his mind. But it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It for 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 Gatsby, like the 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 character Stephen Young is kind of like playing. It doesn't matter what he says to him. You know what I mean? He doesn't care. Like he could have said he could have said chairs, and the same story would have happened. You know what I mean? Fuck! Oh my god! Sorry. Oh, it's so tight. It's oh so god. tight. It's just like the best movie. I already need to. What does he? Now. What does he do for work? <laughs> exactly. It's what it's, it's, it's the Gatsby do? thing. Yeah, it's the guy. It is the Gatsby thing entirely. I fucking hate that I keep thinking of Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> 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 that like every performance in this movie like there should be a there should be like a team oscar for best ensemble every year or some shit like that oh my god bro this wasn't nominated so so deeply tight so deeply tight and then the other thing i saw about jaime on the second watch was not only the pantomime stuff but like yeah. the idea of the big hunger and little hunger uh the, the great hunger and little hunger it, that's the reason kind of like Jung like almost like pathetically kind of like falls in love with her after having sex with her like once. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like this idea that like, oh, this person who wants more than like what she has. And like if Jung can be like with her or whatever, he gets to not be his dad or he gets to not be like who he 
yeah has to be you know that what I mean? was such a funny scene when they're having sex and he's like looks at like the spot of sunlight in the wall mm-hmm. that's <laughs> And then, it's like, so and the, the thing that confirmed for me the most, and it's, like, the the movie has these, the shot of the burning greenhouse dream sequence. How do we not even talk about that? Oh. <laughs> the movie has those moments. And this is, this is backing up what Calm said about, like, the movie makes you think like Jung when you're watching it until you, like, go back. Is like... The movie has so many surreal moments. Like, when he's in bed with Jaime, but she's not actually there. Yeah. Or like, or the dream sequence and stuff. But because you're so in his head, when you have that scene when it's just um, Steven Yun by himself, you're like, yeah, this guy's an asshole. Fuck him, you know? Oh my god! And even though it's like it's setting it up, but he's, and you don't he's even so see nice it. to Jung. He's yeah, so nice to. He's Jung. so nice to Jung. Oh my gosh, this movie's insane. But then he, then he marks him. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, bro. I was so shocked. I like. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what do you oh. say? It's genuinely, it's genuinely like that last shot is like one of the best shots of all time. Oh, fully, fully. When, when fully. he, when he was like <laughs> naked and like walking to his car. Is, is it like, a one shot? I don't think there's a cut. Right? There's no cut. I don't remember there being one. Yeah. When, when Insane. he's like naked, when he's naked and walking to his car, just the way he's walking, it's so like good it's so I, i'm gonna i need to i need to watch him walk away right nobody talk to me you can yeah he, he can talk the talk but he can walk the walk he can, he can walk, walk the walk god damn and the cinematography <laughs> this movie is like is like insane it's generally like i i generally like even after talking about like gone girl and cure after all this like thinking about this again and again, and I know this is gonna be the, one of those ones where every time I watch it, I find something new. Yeah, exactly. Like it, this is one of the like this is one of my like top ten, top fifteen movies of all time. This is one of the greatest movies ever made, objectively. This is just <laughs> one of the one, like. Look almost. at him walk away. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, bro! It's there's so much expressed in that walk. <laughs> Oh my god, that breathing when his like neck is all like tightened. How does he do that? Mm-hmm. And, the, and the, the scene, the scene, um, when after Jaime's uh, like speech, when she cries about like the sunset and wanting to disappear and all that stuff, which is like connected to like one of the takes on the movie I had where she just actually like goes away and she just disappears. Yeah. Like the That's fact what I that probably the, I watched a guy who I uh, not a watch, I uh, read this guy's letterbox review. Uh, not letterbox review reddit review of the movie and he said in the translation it says um it's so funny to me when people cry that's what stephen young says right but really like in the real translation the guy said that it, it should have been like it's so funny to me when humans cry and i think that's so much more powerful to his character and like even though he like treats jaime and like and um jung so nicely you can tell by the way Steven Yeun like says nice things, he has no respect for them at all. Oh yeah, you know I mean? sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like even when it's so crazy because it's like what Steven Yeun is a- acting in those scenes is he's acting niceness that is actually deeply 
like a lack of a lack of respect because of like their class and he thinks they're lower than him yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, this but movie it doesn't is come so off, it it doesn't come off so about that. Yeah, it is. It is definitely is. That's what makes it similar, I think, to to Parasite. I think is Stephen Young's. Oh, for sure. Like not only like, being... I, m- I remember I remember it so clearly when like she came back from the airport with Ben, and then it was like her bag was already in his truck, and then he's like, "No, go with him." Mm. Like, like what? You can tell. There's so oh, much. So There's good. so much. There's so, much. so good. So much. Like I was saying, I was saying, like what Stephen Young is playing in those scenes. It's it, it's always amazing to me when people can like act that because I couldn't even like fathom it. It's like he like the surface level thing people could m- make the mistake of is somebody saying something nice, but then it's sounding bad. Mm-hmm. But like he's acting saying something nice from a place of niceness that is actually deeply rooted in like a lack of respect. Yeah, I think the way I think the way you're thinking about like acting is it's too like. It's like layers. Of, I know. Like, I know it's not necessarily like that. But I mean, like, like I, I don't. I don't think it's as like objective as that. Like, it's yeah. It's yeah, a lot yeah. more mercurial than no, just I, like. I, I agree, but I, I, because I don't like know how to think like that. This is the way I think about it. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. 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 I, I get it. You're not an actor. <laughs> but I mean, yo, this movie's insane. What could I say? I don't. I don't even know. First oh, worm pod. First worm pod. Infinity, out of one. First worm pod. Infinity out of one. It is literally a loop. A a a snake eating itself. Snake out, out eater. Snake eater out of one. <laughs> Bro, this movie is insane. I I I, I kind of said all my takes in the beginning, but yeah. Yeah. I like. Like we could do next year, same time we could do another episode on this movie, and it would still easily like, have the same, like easily impact. Easily, we Slaps. should. We should. Slabs. Remember, remember when Emmanuel Natwiga texted the worm I was, pod I group was chat. So like shocked when you said when I got that notification. Remember when Emmanuel Natwiga texted the worm pod group chat and said we shouldn't do this episode, this one. What is like? What went? For your head i don't know bro i think it was because like like i was it was it was after the first time i watched it and like even though the ending was insane to me it's still like it didn't feel like a thriller but when you really think about it, this is like so deeply a thriller this is definition thriller i'm yeah. just i'm watching i'm watching the ending scene like as like he just stabbed him and then he's like holding him it's such there's so much like just in that moment right yeah. there that's like the whole movie like yeah that's the whole yeah it's crazy. It's and why insane. didn't why why was the cat? Why was it the same? Why was it the cat that she had? Well, no, it, it, that's the thing. That's the thing. I think it's like it doesn't like in the take I have where it's like it doesn't matter. It's like he always he 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 always had a cat, or like he he's had a cat, or he got a new cat, and like even if the cat wasn't there, he still would have killed him. You know what I mean? He would have found another reason to have done. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. I know, but it's I just like, want to know why he had that cat. I don't know. Why well, was it the same one that she had? Did he like kidnap her? Well, that's, no, it's not the same one that she had because we never see her cat. But it yeah. responds to the name. It responds to the name Boyle. Oh yeah, yeah it does. 
Yeah, that, again, that's what leads to the things where it's like, oh, did he murder her? Did he kidnap her? That's what that's what exactly. It, yeah, because like that and the bunch of other hints, like the phone call, et cetera. Yeah, it could have been a coincidence. It definitely could have been a coincidence. I, I don't I don't think he, that that's not a, like a good writing tactic. What do you mean? Had coincidence to add like a coincidence in. Well, it's not about. That's what I think. It's like it's not about if it was a coincidence or not. It doesn't matter if it was or it wasn't. It like for the character, it was. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, like, that's, like, a, that's that, like, yeah. Like it doesn't. It doesn't. It's like that thing. Like we were talking about. It, like, um, in Gone Girl about like, uh, why is my why am I blanking? I don't know why I'm blanking right now. It's like the it's like the thing that like, no matter what happened he would have found a reason to kill her. It didn't have to be the cat. It didn't have to be the greenhouse. Just because... And, oh, oh, this is the other thing I forgot to mention. This is the other thing I forgot to mention. So his obsession with Jaime is the exact same... hub. Like, his obsession with Jaime in the beginning is about, like, feeling, like, less than and, like, wanting to feel more and, like, the great hunger, little hunger. And when Jaime disappears, he's not necessarily... I also think, like... I keep saying this, I like the word take, but like, I feel like there are all these like separate ideas that the movie is saying, yeah. and they're all part of one central idea, but like, they are kind of like, when you put them chronologically in the head, it, it does a disservice to the movie, but it helps me think about it. Yeah. It's like his obsession with Jaime, when Jaime leaves, it's no longer about Jaime. It's about Steven Young's character. He's not obsessed with Jaime. He's not obsessed with Jaime being gone. He's obsessed with Steven Young. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's what I think. And it, 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 he needs something to put himself into. That's his great hunger, like the movie says, because it, 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 without that, he's just like whatever he was before. Like he's nothing. He's defined by his like father. He's defined by what happened to him in his past, kind of thing. Like he needs he needs Stephen Young just as much as he needs Jaime. You know what I mean? As I think is so good about the character, but yeah, shit slaps, bro. You don't, you don't need film school. Just watch this movie. <laughs> yes, bro. You'll know, you'll learn everything you need to know. Yeah, literally, just it, an absolute legend. In the end, the real burning was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, we can do. Like the- the lighting Sorry, with the colors, the colors and lighting in this visually, so it's so breathtaking. I I want to see this in the theater so badly. Same. Same. Oh my god, I miss this feeling. You guys, you guys feel comfortable doing a ranking of uh, of uh, the four movies? The four? No, yeah. no country is the fourth. Um, Gone Girl is first. Disrespectful. <laughs> Kira is second, and this is first. Um, Gone Girl fourth. Uh, no Country, Kira are tied, and then Burning first. I think it's. I think it's for me. It's No Country, Cure, Cure, and uh, Gone Girl tied, and then Burning. Cure and Gone Girl tied, then Burning. Yeah. What a what a what a! I'm proud of everyone for our choices this episode. We 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 did a, we did we did a good job. Yes, bro. Picking goaded movies. Monumentally slapped. We we can from now on we can only do great movies. We can only do movies on this level. That'd be like, 
We'd run out of. I don't. How long do you think it would take us to run out of the, this like level of movie? Honestly, let me just look take, at my top list. Honestly, it would <laughs> it would take a it, like a a while. It would yeah. take a while. It is a you know what, I don't time. I don't get I don't get why some people try to be elite about which movies they say are perfect. I never I never understood that mindset. Because what me, do you mean? Like the, like the amount of people are like, oh, I only reserve like perfect ratings for like a few movies, or such. I never, yeah, I don't I never really get that. It. I feel like, I don't know, like so, like I'm, I'm like I'm, I think, I think, like, like I know, I, I bring up like the Lego Movie so much, <laughs> like a lot, but like I would like if, like if it's a perfect rating, I would give the Lego Movie a perfect rating, and I would give this movie a perfect rating. One movie is like objectively like intensely like deeper than the other, but like to me, like I love them both. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I don't think there's like I don't think, and I don't think having like a hundred movies that you find perfect devalues those movies that you find perfect either. Cause I feel like some yeah. people it's like, Oh, if you just like, they say, they describe it as like, Oh, you're just throwing away like the tag of like a perfect movie. Like you're just yeah, exactly. Whereas like, I don't agree with that at all. I, I love movies. There's so yeah. many perfect ones. Cough, cough, the human condition, 10 hour trilogy. Might have to just run that up tonight, bro. Honestly, <laughs> I, I think I'm gonna watch. I think I'm gonna watch Come and See first. Yeah, I feel like if I don't watch Come and See first, I'm like not gonna watch it for a while. <laughs> yeah, I'll just be like, oh my gosh, this movie just. There are just too many movies I need to watch. I'm, I'm, I'm. Pre- I think I've been. I think I've been getting better at like really like the. the it's it, it's weird to say like churning through them, but like mm. really watching the movies. I think I need to watch. You know. Yeah. Like I've been getting well, a little bit better. At that's it. why. I, that's why I wanted to do this in the first place. Was just to watch movies that you guys recommend. Hey. Under like the, the pretext yes. of like a, a format. How, so I have to. So I can't how, just like skip out on it. How far away is the Human Condition episode? Pretty far away. Pretty far. far. We can we can move it. it up. We can move, move it up. It up. Spoilers, like, Luca. I'm, not, I'm just. No, because I watched like Colin. You need to watch this. You need, and I think you because like so much of it, not relies, but so much of it. If the acting just wasn't there, it would fall apart. This is it, like Human Condition is like, pit, like like one of the pinnacles of like acting. Fire. Okay, all right. That's a little sneak peek for later in the Worm Pod, Worm Pod future. A little sneak. Peek. I think I think that's Thanks. the end of the podcast, guys. Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. This will be a much longer episode. Yeah, yeah. This has been quite quite the adventure. (laughs) Oh yeah, journey. Think about the start of this episode. (laughs) It's felt like years ago. It's been it's been almost (laughs) like it's been a long time. It's been a literal journey. It's actually just been. And and we will see you guys when we see you. So we're doing next week, or we're doing the comedies, right? Yeah. So yeah. we have a guest coming in that episode, um, and our and our and our movies um, that week are Airplane. That's the, uh, that's the guest's choice. My um, my choice is uh, My Neighbor the Yamadas by Isar Takahata. My choice is uh, Playtime by Jacques Tati. My my uh <coughs> my um my choice is uh Gremlins to uh the new. Bag. No, look, you're in, you're ruining <laughs> your own pick. It was not. It was Gremlin. It's not someone. Is it? no? It's not Gremlins two. That's what. That was my comedy movie. No, it wasn't. No, it was that. It was the one directed by the same guy. Oh, happy. Oh, what happened? Wait, where's Gremlins two? Gremlins was like something else, and then we just took it off. 
Are you? And then I, no, I forgot to take it I, off. I know where it is. I'll tell you. I'll tell you later. I don't want to spoil. I don't want to spoil all of one part of the future. Okay, then yeah, my film was actually uh, the happiness of the Katakuris. All right. See you guys next week or two weeks from now, whenever we sure. record it. Bye bye. See ya. Bye. Yeah. All right, and we're back with segment two. We're talking about the Coen Brothers, no. dare I say, masterpiece, Look, No I Country for Old Men, directed in 2007. No. <laughs> hey. Whoa. I don't think it's a masterpiece. Doesn't mean I hate it. <laughs> no, you hate it. <laughs> All right. I've seen Let's better. Like, get on with the show. Uh, General thoughts. I would say, for me, if I'm being perfectly honest, to me, this is what. This movie is to me <laughs> what Cure is to Luca. I, I, I don't know if this is the scariest movie I've ever seen, but it definitely has the moments that like gave me the most like this definitely has like the most like yeah, I feel that. I feel that. I can get behind that. I guess, I guess, I guess this I is my second time, no third, sec third, yeah third time watching this movie, and. I'm not in love with this movie. Like, I don't think it's like the best thing ever made, and I a yeah. lot of people do. But I can't say I had a bad time watching this movie. This movie, <laughs> like, this movie like rules. Like, I, I love watching it again. I with Emmanuel. Um, and the no... thing about it is, even on second watch, I think the first time I watched this, I was in like grade nine or something. So like, I had like no patience. You know, my like the Lego Movie was my pace. Yeah. And. <laughs> <laughs> and and this I liked it but I was not behind the pace. Yeah. I was so behind the pace of this movie this time. Yeah. Like I loved how methodical this movie is. We'll get into it though, but like yeah, that's my thought. Yeah, it's it's no tenant, that's for sure. <laughs> I think the thing for me is more than anything, there's a few things that are obviously remarkable. But like one of the things on a rewatch that sticks out so clearly mm. is the sound. Every single like mm-hmm. sound is so like audible and like in your ear and like cr- I, I want to say crunchy. It's like all like the leather boots, yeah. and, like mm-hmm. the gravel being driven over, mm-hmm. like every like, click of the gun, like every sound is mm-hmm. so like enhanced to the point where it's like it's almost all you can hear. I, and I also no, don't think there's a single song in this whole movie. It's all just like mm-hmm. things the, happening. The the I don't think we need to do a synopsis for this movie, you know? Like, if you haven't watched this movie, you don't need to. If you don't watch this movie, don't watch this fucking podcast. I'm, I think in this movie, the subversion thing, I think that connects to the other ones, is, like, the idea of, like, subverting the Western, which is the big kind of discussion around this movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it is, like, you know, there's no uh, no country for Tommy Lee Jones. And, like, it's, like... There, the movie is about kind of Tommy Lee Jones's character through Llewellyn and Sugar. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's what it is about. Yeah, I think he is the main character. Mm, he's the main character, mm-hmm. and I think, I think, I think it. There's two parts of this movie that I think are very separate. Is like the story, and then like the is if the story, and then like thinking about it afterwards. Because you're on this, like, ride of a movie during the entire thing. It's a very, like, methodical movie. It's very, like, you know, I'm doing air quotes right now, like, pure cinema kind of thing where it's all just happening. If that makes sense, there's not a lot of dialogue. And I think the the movie is only really about its themes 
kind of in the last scene, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Well, I I disagree with that. I would I would say that oh, the yeah, whole definitely, movie definitely. is like leading up to that, where it's like each thing is like it's not. I I would say they're like separate in the sense mm-hmm. like the tone and like what's happening. Yeah, definitely. But like I they're all so, yeah. about the same thing. It's in like direct direct reference of like because the way I see it is like this char- the character of Anton Chigurh is like a is mm-hmm. like the figure of like death and and. And in reference to like Tommy Jones talking about that, it's it's him like deciding to step away from that world of like being a police officer, <laughs> so twelve. And um, <laughs> Wormpod political. And um, <laughs> fuck yeah, <laughs> Wormpod political. And um, stepping away from that. And I can I can kind of say which, I can like, kind of enough, but like the message. I, 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 I can say I can say like. It's this idea that Tommy Lou Jones is like Clint Eastwood 30 years after like um, uh, Fistful of Dollars kind of thing. Where like yeah. the the character of like the righteous cowboy or like the righteous Robin Hood character or like the sheriff is no longer the hero of the story. And it's not even like necessarily that like, a, like I guess a misconception could be that Llewellyn is like the new cowboy guy i guess or he's like the new hero but he mm-hmm. he's not he's like the first thing we see him do is steal from a drug cartel right and like i think i think his character is more mm-hmm. Llewellyn's character isn't necessarily like a clint eastwood he's more like he's more like a noir protagonist you know what i mean yeah he's almost like jack nicholson in chinatown or something you know yeah and and on a yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna butt in really quick. Uh, Fiona just texted me. He's like oh, yeah. Jack Nicholson in Chinatown. A, well, I think Luke is in Chinatown. Yeah, yeah. I don't like it though. He doesn't like Chinatown. We're not gonna get into that right now. I'm sorry. I don't support Roman Polanski. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a good movie. There are other people who helped make the movie besides <laughs> Roman Polanski. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, but that's that's not why that's not why I dislike it. Just... It's okay. We Wormpod isn't a political podcast. Fuck twelve. <laughs> and um, so yeah, this idea that Llewellyn is this like cowboy character when he's more like a noir protagonist, I thought was really interesting. You know what I mean? And it's like this whole thing of like kind of mm-hmm. Tommy Lee Jones's character like being broken by sugar. You know what I mean? without ever you know what's crazy to me all three of them never meet aside from like shootouts but like still yeah there's no like big like uh like yeah yeah tommy jones well he meets llewellyn when he's dead if that if that counts yeah 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 that doesn't that yeah that they shook hands. I mean, I mean, I think we could, we could just. I think the main thing we start off talking about is just like the three of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Javier Bardem, absolutely Legend. insane. Legend, Legend. absolutely Legend. insane. If I'm being honest, if I'm being no, honest, really. I think Tommy cool. Jones' performance is better. Fuck out of here, you know? Okay, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe. Okay, go. I'm not. I, I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think. I don't think Javier Bardem is bad. 
at all. Okay. I just think Tommy uh, maybe, Jones is okay, like hot even take, better. Hot take, hot take, hot take. Um, you know, I got this take in my hand and it's hot. I'm putting it down. Put it down. Carla Jean, best performance. You know why? You know why? Um, no. I, say it. She's Scottish. You know what? I'm more willing to believe Emmanuel than Callum. <laughs> she fully you you listen. And that I think that might be that might be the nail on the coffin Calm for one Callum Calm ends the call. That might Calm be it. She was in trade bonding though. Calm, I might never talk to any of you ever again. She she's Scottish. And her accent, her like Texan accent, is so good. It's so it's fucking. If I hadn't seen Train Spotting, I'd just be like, yeah, that's, that's your Texas average actor. Yeah, like, I, I know. So insane. You watch her in interviews; it's like inaudible, no diss. Yeah, account. but then Tom, we had Tommy Lee Jones has been in fucking Batman forever. I mean, there he's playing the same character twice. He's playing Two Face in this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, but. Uh, Apparently, Har- it was Javier Bardem's. Is that how you're saying Javier? Is it Javier? Ha- Javier. Javier. I apologize. Javier, Javier. Bardem's Javier. idea for the haircut. That is the perfect haircut for that character. It's such a bad haircut, but it fits it so well. Perfectly. It's arguably the best yeah. thing about it. Honestly, like I agree. I agree. <laughs> Sorry, no. Sorry, Calm. I, I- this is such a stupid conversation. Calm the guy. Calm the guy. We don't talk about his cowboy movie seriously. Sorry, Calm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's I'm not kidding. even why I like this movie. I don't, know. Like I don't even movie. like cowboy movies. I'm kidding. I'm one pissed. I'm one pissed off. I'm one sour rotten sob. But this, I think the the coolest thing about um the thing I found kind of cool about um. Javier Bardem's. I hope I'm saying that right. I probably yes, it, it's right. I'm probably, it's I'm probably right. pronouncing it different every time. But it's fine. Is Just the, please keep is talking. The, the only kind of time I see him being passionate about anything in this movie, like he kind of seems distant, but he feels this like need to explain to people that their lives are up to chance. You know, like more, this idea of the movie. More like talk down to people, but yeah. Yeah, but it, he like it's the only kind of passion he shows in the movie is like yeah. the scene uh, with like his intro scene, which is insane. It's like classic. It's a classic scene at this point. Yeah, with like the coin toss and and whatnot. The the Calm was mm-hmm. talking about the the sound That's of not the, his the. Oh yeah, that's not his intro. Movie. That's bye, not bye. the coin toss. Isn't a, his intro I scene. actually have a bunch of stuff to talk about for that scene. It's the it's the but, it's the his yeah. It's the handcuff scene when he chokes. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, pretty passionate like, there. Vocally passionate, like talking. <laughs> uh, yeah, about I know himself. what you mean. But um, but, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Calm was talking about, like in that scene with the coin toss, like the the sound of the the candy wrapper uncrinkling on the table, like the diegetic noise is insane. Mm-hmm. Like that's not a. That's not a sound you would actually hear in real life, but just that it mm-hmm. makes everything feel so much more like mm-hmm. richer. Like you feel like you're there. Mm-hmm. Like you're like you can feel mm-hmm. their breath. And I, it's, that's it's, what it feels it, like. Um, the thing about his character that is like in direct contrast to um, Tommy Lee Jones's character, I I will never know his name, but um, but uh, it's like it's this idea, like you know how like I was talking about. Llewellyn is misconceived to be the cowboy of the movie. Does yeah. that make sense? 
like there's this idea in the that Tommy Lee Jones has, and it's why like there's like in the namesake there's no country for him that like because Anton Sugar is the bad guy, Llewellyn is the good guy. You know what I mean? And it's this idea that because Llewellyn doesn't get to win and he is the good guy, like there's no hope for him, if that yeah. makes sense. You know what I mean? And he's putting himself in Llewellyn without even having her with only ever seeing his dead body and like knowing him from the town, I guess. And it's this idea that like when the villain doesn't get their comeuppance in the end and, and his philosophy of, of everything is like a coin toss, even like him getting hit by the car in the end is like luck of the draw. Mm -hmm. It's like this theme throughout the whole movie that is deeply about Tommy Lee Jones is deeply about two face you know, see what I did there? Coin toss. I see, I see what you did there. <laughs> and it's like, it's, it's, it's deeply about Tommy Lee Jones's character. Uh, I think that's the central thing in the movie. And I do agree, Callum. Like, I feel like it isn't explicitly said until he talks about his dreams in the end. But it is built up through the entirety of the movie. Because to me, this movie, it's like, it is obviously a cowboy movie. But that's not the thing that I think makes it so great. It's obviously like the mm -hmm. technical aspect of it, like the way it builds up tension. But I mean, like, from like a metaphorical, like, story-wise perspective, I just think like the message of it is so, like, is so amazing, and the way it's done is so cool. Just that, like, the idea that no matter what you do in this world, there is always that like mm -hmm. force beyond your control. That idea that like the world and like man as we know it is just like deeply yeah. unkind and unfair. Like, that's the thing about Anton Chigurh. Like, a lot of people he kills, other than, like, when he, like, needs someone to, like, Are he kind needs of to kill someone to, like, get through mm -hmm. something. Like, when he needs, like... Yeah, those are the ones that are necessary, but, like, they're almost all ones that are, like, mm -hmm. to, like, achieve some They're goal. just minding their to, like, some, and the like, universe some, came out. To, like, right some wrong. Sure. In it. But it's, like, to right some wrong in some way. Like, in the scene, the famous scene where, like, like <laughs> What's the most you've ever lost on a coin toss? And then he the re, the reason he does that at all is because the guy inherited the farm from his wife's dad. He married into it, and that's mm -hmm. enough for him to be like, "You deserve to die." So it's it's not my call, but you deserve to die. So I'm going to flip yeah. this coin. That's the thing that I think mm -hmm. is so and interesting it's directly it's the idea that like yeah, sorry, go ahead. I I don't want to make this too I don't want to make this too like, so I don't want to make this too like this is the real world. Yeah, but th this reminds me a lot of like the idea of like what America represents. Like, there's there's always this like force where yeah. it's like go and stop these people. There's this thing there. There are bad people out there who need to like be fixed. And Anton Chigurh is that idea that like the world is not so like one sided. I know he flips the coin each time, but it's just like mm -hmm. it's there is no like hero or villain. Like he's like in in, in some like fucked up way, he's he's in the right to be going to try and get the money mm -hmm. back. And I think it's it, that idea that uh, like metaphor calm that you're talking about of like America, whatever. I don't want to get political. You know, we're not a political podcast. Um, but uh... <laughs> but um, it's like it's it's um, two sides of the coin. Tommy Lee Jones, Two-Face is um, 
one side is like this idea of like American morality. You know what I mean? Like the good things will come to those who could do it, like patriotism, all this stuff. You know what I mean? And the other side is just like chance. You know what I mean? I feel like I am literally just mm -hmm. giving the two-faced speech from the dark night right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I mean, I mean, Caleb. I mean, maybe this will make you see the Dark Knight in a in a new light. I am killing it today, Carol. I am You're killing it today. No, it won't. <laughs> so good. <laughs> but it's like it's like it's like it's like him being invested. Um, Tommy Lee Jones is being in, um character being invested in Llewellyn is like the investment in patriotism. You know what I mean? And it's and what I think what I think is it is an even deeper mm. message that is not even on the center is Llewellyn isn't even a patriot. So it's like it's a lie all the way down, if that makes sense. Well, he did serve Exa in Vietnam, which exactly. also is another metaphor, because like the Vietnam War was like a purposeless exactly. nothing of an. Uh, there's like, no reason for that would happen. Tommy Lee Jones believes so deeply in 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 Llewellyn's character, which is like misplaced um, belief. I don't know the yeah belief, and and it's like misplaced belief, but he believes so deeply in it, and seeing Llewellyn dead is like him seeing that die in front of him. But the 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 what. What I think the movie is even more deeply saying than just that is like the death of like the Western and the cowboy and like Clint Eastwood or whatever. You know, I hate the movie American Sniper, but <laughs> <laughs> he's saying that they're kind of saying that that patriotism that Tommy Lee Jones is like mourning for was never actually there. You know what I mean? And I think that's the that's the deeper thing mm -hmm. that yeah, exactly. I don't see it talked a lot about in this movie. But I have a bunch of I watched like a bunch of Roger Deakin interviews. I have a bunch of, like, facts. You guys want to hear them? <laughs> okay. So, sure. so um, there is the, there's the scene that Roger Deakins talks about the most, which was the hardest to shoot. And it was um, the one at night when he goes back to the cartel dudes and tries to give the guy water. Because they said they shot that over many nights and many mornings. And I I think, like... It's the first watch I didn't take in how insane that scene is just from like a cinematography perspective. So we're still like there, he's still like doing like thing we talked about in Cure of like not drawing attention to the cinematography, if that makes sense. But in that scene, it goes from like, kind of like just after midnight, like two o'clock kind of thing, all the way to kind of like four and it's like, I think it generally is. I still have yet to watch Barry Lyndon. I know a lot of people talk about it, but it's the first yeah. scene. It's the first movie where I've seen somebody actually show like the progression of how actual light moves. You know what I mean? It The scene goes into Dawn in such a cool way. And I know they, they he does talk about how they shot it at night and in the morning and they shot it all. They had to shoot it over multiple weeks because of like the use of natural light because you don't get that much time you know what i mean they're doing like one take a day they're doing the shot of Lou, not one take a day but like they're doing very in small segments like you're doing he's doing an entire day just on the shots of like llewellyn running from the truck right mm -hmm. i thought that was like insane mm -hmm. and like i haven't seen pan's labyrinth but i mean <laughs> come on <laughs> i feel like he deserved the oscar I feel like he deserved I the Oscar. I have another one. 
then I haven't seen Pan's Labyrinth. I want this. I have another fun fact with this movie. I have another fun fact with this movie. This uh, a couple scenes in this movie. They were the the filming had to be like stopped because there was smoke from the scene. In uh, there will be blood. They were filmed in the same oh, desert in the sa- at the That's same crazy. time. Yeah, at least so for some shots. Yeah, the same the same area. So certain scenes had to be like, stopped <laughs> filming because there was like smoke from the That's from that so oil funny. fire. That's it, crazy. Daniel Lewis was just right over there. <laughs> oh my god! Right over the hill. Um. What the else? Movie. What else? What else? Oh, one of the other scenes in this movie that was insane—not scenes, things in this movie that was insane—was the visual effects and mm-hmm. and and practical effects as well like there's a few i think there's a few comps in this movie i'm not sure maybe there isn't or maybe i'm mistaken but there what comp talked about just with the sound and the sounds of the guns and everything and like the tactileness and like having to reload and like the actual physicality of doing all that stuff you know what i mean mm-hmm. and then like the scene with um Javier Bardem in the after he'd been shotgunned by Llewellyn and he has to like um, take oh. his bullet out and everything. Like the close-ups in that scene of like the shotgun wounds and stuff and everything, and just like the oh. methodicalness of that scene, not only is crazy just to watch a character do that, you know what I mean? And I think that's a thing that's a a fault that I have with a lot of villains in movies, is that I can't imagine them. Um, I can't imagine what they're doing when they're off screen because they'll yeah. just be like laughing maniacally. Like, what is Thanos doing when he's not on screen? You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like, you know, Anton Chigurh and Tommy Lee Jones' Two Face, they're on this level where you can, they're like these fully fleshed out characters. And like the, the scenes, <laughs> the scenes, the, 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 okay, this is what I was going to say about the first scene. I feel like I'm just ranting at this point. But <laughs> but the scene when he chokes the guy out in the beginning, like they couldn't film it obviously with an actual guy being strangled and then getting his artery popped. And they built this like prost- the prosthetic in that scene is so seamless. Yeah. It's all practical. There's no like after effects or whatever in that scene. The car explosion scene like all the car crashes in the movie and the the the, the cow killing thing. Okay, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> this movie rules. Well, except yeah. for the except for the animals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah those yeah. are all like but weird, like CG. <laughs> that's actually my <laughs> deer. That's crazy. That's my pet deer. Buck I mean, worm pod. I'm in. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of a hot take, kind yeah. of a hot one. I'm putting it down, hot potato, pass it on. Yeah. 57.5 out of 1.3. That's like, that's like, I don't even think it's perfect, but that's like, come on. <laughs> now, I know, I know as tradition, I don't do ratings in the podcast. So I'm going to do the closest I can do with my format of rating movies. I would say this movie is so, so good. Um, Tommy Lee Jones' monologue at the end is one of the best, mm-hmm. period. It's so good. Um, please watch this movie. 
if you know it's okay. good for you, okay, you rotten in son Batman, of a forever. The bad credit card. The okay, and we back in quarter three. The bad credit card. Shark repellent. He has a bat credit card, Callum. And then Tommy, and then Tommy Lee Jones, Batman, we back Rachel! in quarter three. Oh, he drops a box with, <laughs> with um, two faces like, ah, oh, my coins. And he falls and dies. <laughs> we will be back Rachel! with Gone Girl. Now-